Hi, welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly Ugh, allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next test strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over the counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to contournext.com slash radio to see if over-the-counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next. The radio side going here. So that way we could get Bill WD-40 in to lube us up for tonight's show. You always want to go into a show smoothly, which is why Bill WD-40 does his thing. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, who else do we have in the chat room? Gong Show, where have you been hiding lately? Uh, good to have you back. And uh, there's our first Super Chat of the night. Deb, thank you so much. The Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so, so much for your love and support. And who else is joining us? Paul War, welcome to SOR Chat. And uh, Jose Benitez, welcome to SOR Chat. From Charlotte, North Carolina, home of Ric Flair. Yes, he Jose's one the fifth horseman. The fifth horseman. Yep. Uh sweet Donna Spencer, how are you? And who else do we have here as we are running out of time? Running out of time. Running out of time. Running out of time. Renee Cruz, nice to see you. Hi, Kevin Kennedy. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KTNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old Davey the favor hit that subscribe button you can follow us on twitter at spaced out radio instagram at spaced out radio show and on tiktok at spaced out radio our website is spaced out radio.com we have a plethora of features for you Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news, wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. we got a power show tonight. Karen A. Dahlman is here to talk all things paranormal, supernatural, through talking boards. Then in hour number three, we are going to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller will have another spooky story for us. Then, after that, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio will be by to take us on another cryptid report. Karen A. Dahlman is an author, paranormal researcher, licensed counselor, and spirit communicator. She serves as an officer and director of the Talking Board Historical Society. Both born with gifts and clairvoyance, a clairaudience, and clairsentience, Karen communicates with sentient beings in the unseen dimensions and uses these gifts with her clients, providing spiritual readings. 
As a leading, noted Ouija practitioner, she has been using the Ouija board since 1973 with astounding results. Karen's message shares the positive side of the board as a tool for exploring consciousness. Her work's uh, mission is pushing the boundaries of consciousness, and her message is assisting humanity in awakening to its greatest potential. This is why we love it when Karen Dahlman comes in. She's such a great friend of Spaced Out Radio. Karen, thank you so much. Usually we have you on around Halloween, but I just needed a Karen Dahlman fix. I needed a fix. Do you remember we were trying to do that, and then things got changed right at Halloween time? Some stuff went down in your life, so we had to change it. But I'm here, and we can talk about either balloons in the sky or Ouija boards. What do you want to do? Uh, I'm done with balloons right now. I, okay, you're done with I'm, I'm done with balloons for at least today. At least today. Uh, I am too. <laughs> My goodness. You know, from an outsider's perspective, how ridiculous is this? What's going on right now? I mean, I'm, you know what? Ridiculous. I'm going to tell you, I love it. I love it. I love watching the way the American government and the military members standing up at the podium are literally lying to the world's faces and they are playing us like we are dumb and to actually have some knowledge about what's going on. I'm sitting here in my studio. (laughs) Uh, You are so wrong and people are so silly right now with what they are thinking. Yeah, you know, for us to think for one second that NORAD, the and the government with the with the greatest military on earth does not know what's in the airspace or what's coming is ridiculous. So when they sit there and say those things, or uh, somebody made a phone call and then all of a sudden there's a balloon, that's not true. So there's something else going on. Don't know what that is just yet. We can only guess, but it is just ridiculous to think we're so naive and gullible. And not just that. But I'll tell you how naive and gullible people are is they think there's actual photographs from the crash of the U- in the, in the Yukon here in Canada. Where right. the, where that thing had crashed in Canada? There's no people. The Yukon uh, for our listeners and I've said this a couple times already on the show. The Yukon is about the size of Texas. Yeah. Okay, Texas has sure. like 40 42 million people. The Yukon has about 43 to 45,000 people. And 25,000 of those people li- live near the British Columbia border in the capital city of Whitehorse. So that leaves you with about 15 to 17,000 people spread out in an area the size of Texas. Mm-hmm. There is more chance of a muskox, polar bear, or moose capturing a photo of that thing coming down then there is a human being but this is how gullible people are right now because we want but not your not your audience and not your listeners it's the other people so the the twitterites are going crazy right now twitter's going nuts it's hilarious Mm -hmm. but enough enough about that well i want to say first of all Happy Valentine's Day, everybody out there, right? It's Valentine's, so happy Valentine's, everybody. Happy Valentine's to you, Dirty Filth, and to you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get into some paranormal. I mean, you've been doing this a long, long time. Longer than most people, uh, you know, who throw out a hobby after six months. 
You've been doing this. Right. You, I'm not even going to say you've been doing this as long as I've been alive. You right. Know, you know, because it's true. It, you know it's what? It, it, it's sad to say I was born in 1973. And, and you get what, you guys? That's when I started using the Ouija board, 73. So you're right. We go back. So, it, this was not a hobby. I mean, I didn't know what it was going to be when I was young, but it has definitely become a major part of my life, uh, not just collecting, but actually using the board because it's all about channeling. And I know tonight we're going to get into different types of channeling and really how the board works and then some other whatever questions people have about the board, too. But, um, yeah, this is something that's really in a way become such a uh, integral part of my life. It's not so much, it's the board, it's the channeling and the messages I receive and the abilities to reach into the unseen dimensions. So it's just been another way that I do that. Although I've always seen and heard and felt things. Now it's another way to actually receive the words, the messages. We always usually talk, you know, I always ask you the question, how did you get into this and everything like this? But for the longest time you have been, staunchly in defense of a product like the Ouija board that has been absolutely lambasted throughout the time of history when it comes to the paranormal, you know, whether you want to blame the church or whether you want to blame all of these, these so-called stories that have happened, you know, to people that have had horrific things allegedly happen to them or, or to a friend of 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 a friend, of a friend. Mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Yet here you are, you're surrounded by this. You've made this a major part of your life. And Mm -hmm. do you ever get tired of defending the Ouija board as a tool and not some evil, macabre board that Satan happens to live on? (laughs) Well, that's a nice way of putting it. So I I guess where I am now with it, because it has been 50 years of using it, where I am with it now, it's it's like I don't feel like I have to defend anything. All I'm bringing forth now is just sharing the information and stories. And a lot of times when I talk to people about this tool, I really talk about how to do this work off the tool. That just This just becomes another way, again, of channeling where there's theatrics or there's a display of it on a board like you see behind me or around me. But um, when I was younger, I felt like there was a need to say, oh, my God, the Ouija board works. You got to try it. It's so great. When I was younger, up to like about college, graduate school. And after that, I just decided there was I didn't need to convince anybody. I was more underground with it. And if those people that came around who were curious what I was doing and I felt I felt comfortable sharing with them because I was a practicing psychotherapist then and I really couldn't just say, oh, I'm using the Ouija board. But a lot of clinicians that found out I was using it either through conversations I have with them or through mutual friends, they wanted usually to get a message or partake. So they, they saw that I was using it in a very serious manner. And that's why I've always gotten such great uh, results from it. But I didn't, I quit defending it a long time ago. Um, now I just say, you know, if somebody says it, it, they're afraid of it, they, I, I get it. That's, that's where they stand with it. And that's fine. Cause not, Every tool or every way of reaching the unseen dimensions or even wanting to reach the unseen dimensions is for everyone. Some people are more into, you know, the the phenomena, talk about UFOs or weather balloons. Some people are more into cryptids. I'm just into reaching into the unseen dimensions and I will do that in multiple ways. But, But one of the main ways that I do it is with the Ouija board. So I'm here tonight. Not to convince anybody, uh, and I'm going to say right now, if you don't believe, that's fine, um, and to ask those hard questions, but I am here to share what the possibilities are, 
when you start to learn to use this tool as a way to channel. Now, Dave, behind me, I have a black scrying mirror. Rosemary Allen Guiley actually gave me that one. I have a crystal ball that was also given to me. And I even have a, a automatic writer that you can do with your, you know, writing. And Dirty Filth might like to use this because you can actually draw and write with it. Um, and then, of course, I have all my Ouija boards. But there's many ways to channel. And also, you could do direct channeling, like transmediumship, or just connecting with the energies and feeling it come through and speaking what you're receiving. So I do that as well. And you guys also look, you can use tro cards. This is another form of channeling. And I, and I have some Oracle cards that I love to use. I use Oracle cards too. I use a combination of a lot of things, but Dave, as you know, my all time favorite tool is the Ouija board. Okay. For a lot of people who may be listening for the first time here, and they're probably, yeah. you know, having the shivers go up their spine and, and cringing a little bit, listening to you talk, saying, this woman is crazy. Why, why is she putting herself in the harm of the devil here or whatever, you know, people may be thinking. But for you, you use the word tool a lot, that this is a mm -hmm. tool. Explain yeah. to people what you mean by the Ouija board being a tool. Yeah, so the Ouija board, and here's my original one, you guys. This is from 1973, the original one I got. From Santa Claus, December 25th. I mean, it's a Masonite board. It has a sticker on it. It's not going to burn very well. If people try to burn these. They always said they don't burn. Well, this one's not going to. Masonite doesn't burn well at all. Um, and so I, I call it a tool because a lot of people can get this and it won't work for them at all. It's like you get, uh, let's let's here's an example I like to use. I, I try to golf, Dave. I'm not a great golfer and I haven't golfed in a while, but when I golf, it's like, you know, I'm not good at it. But it's a tool. You get the, you get the club, you get the ball. Those are tools, instruments you use, right? Even though you have the, the golf bag and the, and the clubs and the balls, doesn't mean you're going to use it well. So therefore, it's a tool just like this. And tools such as a car you drive, you have to learn how to use it. And you could still be a terrible driver or you can drive more defensively. Um, or you can, you know, just get drunk and drive, which is going to be a smart idea. So I, I consider this the same thing. It's like, it's a tool that you got to learn to use. You have to practice using it. Now, this tool doesn't do anything. Your car doesn't work on its own. Your golf clubs don't work on their own. The ball doesn't move on its own. It's up to you to learn to use it. You have to fine tune your craft. No different than learning a sport, an ability, a skill, dirty fill drawing. It's no different than learning how to draw. It takes time and practice to get pretty good. He's all, yeah. <laughs> so it takes time. And he probably was good at it in the beginning, like I was good at using this. But it took time to develop the skills. And so that's why I call it a tool. You've got to learn to use your tool, learn to use your, your, your or perfect your craft, if you will. I, I've learned over the years to perfect my craft using this tool. So when I get on the board, I can connect directly to what I intend to connect with, such as the spirit guides I work with regularly, or even, let's say, animals that I connect with regularly. But just because I want to connect with something doesn't mean that something wants to always connect with me. So, it, it, you know, it's a two-way street here. But it is just, it's like its like a phone. Okay? <laughs> Dave, I call it this, like this. I call it my great cosmic phone. It's like picking up a phone, typing in a number, which allows you to connect with that number through space and time uh, across, you know, wireless uh sensory as the same as this. It's like a wireless, great cosmic phone, but it's old school. And once I dial up my intentions and frequencies to reach it, then that that's how you do it. But, it, but it's nothing more than me doing the work 
learning to use the tool, but it's me who does the work. I learned to drive the car. I learned to swing the golf clubs. I fine tune those abilities, get to be really good at driving, real good at golf, which hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and then really good at using this tool. That's, that's why I call it a tool. It doesn't work unless you perfect yourself and practice. Now, it's not the tool that's going to do it. It's yourself getting better at using the tool. Does that help, Dave? Uh, I think it helps a, a lot because it does kind of clean up a lot of the stigma that is that is using it. I mean, you know, I I agree with you. I, I'm probably in the minority that agree with you, but I do. And I've had fun instances with the Ouija board. I've had terrible instances right. with the Ouija board. I'm probably inconsistent. I haven't used one in years after it promised me I was going to win the lottery and I followed it to a T what it said. And then when I checked my ticket, I had zero numbers, you know, I, that's a story I will never forget, you know, but it is frustrating. It can play tricks on you. You do have to be mm-hmm. careful. You do have to be comfortable. You know, I mean, we're not playing with a, a child's toy, even though it's sold at Toys R Us. Right. Yeah. It, it's definitely not a child's toy. Just like a car is not a child's toy. Um, even golf clubs do the wrong way. You could break something. <laughs> you can you break a break open a window if you're a golf club. I mean, we got to think about this way. It, it, there, there's a responsibility with it. And because you are working in the unseen dimensions, which I mean, do we really know what's all there, right? You're dealing with the unknown. And so there is some kind of, um, you know, you got you to be wits about you. And I say this, Dave, about the whole lottery thing. People say, well, why, why, get, why can't you get the lottery numbers? And it's, it's because it, it's like if you, whoever you're connected with the other dimensions doesn't necessarily going to, it's not necessarily going to live your life for you. Isn't going to necessarily tell you that. Now, I haven't met anybody that's got the lottery numbers from the Ouija board, but I have met people who have found lost things keys, special objects that were misplaced, uh, uh, wills, documents. It hasn't worked that way for me. But then again, I use the board and it's really how you want to use the board. I use the board to connect with spirit guides mostly or those in, tra- those in the afterlife to, to get information from them or to receive messages for loved ones. So I use it very differently. Um, now I got to tell you, Dave, I can't remember if I told you this story or not. I did get the lottery numbers, but not on the Ouija board. So I'm telling you guys, if you want the lottery numbers, try this. I actually got them, and I've tried it since, have not gotten them, but I got them in a dream. I was so excited about the lottery. This was like an 89 or 90. I can't remember the exact year, but the lottery had come to Texas. I just moved there. So I think it was 90-ish. And it was going to be the very first lottery they had, and I was so excited to play it. I was thinking about it, thinking about it. That made me dream about it. I got all the numbers, you guys, but I couldn't remember the last one. I won. I won on those four or five numbers, whatever it was back then. I can't remember, but I couldn't remember the last one. I did win several hundred dollars. That was it. It wasn't like millions or thousands because <laughs> it was such a new lottery. But that had happened, and I got those numbers in a dream before. It was like a night be- day before it happened. So things happen, you guys. Things are possible. See, for me, I had no intention. I didn't ask. Ah. The, I didn't ask the board. We were using the board, and the board said it had a message for me. And it literally spelt out, you need to buy a lottery ticket. And Did I, it tell you when? Yes. It told me It told me nine weeks, from eight or nine weeks from that day. And it also told me the amount of, 40, oh. of $43 million. Okay. And sure enough, eight, nine weeks later, 
the lottery is $43 million. Wow, I, I, now that's I, cool in itself right I, there. I went that morning, bought my bought my ticket at my same gas station, did exactly what I always do. I never look at the numbers. I always fold them up, put them in my wallet, and then I forgot about the ticket. And then we went back to our friend's house that night, and we're all hooked up to the board, and immediately the board wants to hook up with me. And it spells out congratulations. And that's mm-hmm. when I clued in, oh, crap, my lottery ticket, right? So I run to my vehicle where my wallet is, come out. Uh, it took forever to get a, a signal because they lived in a bad air, a cell phone area. And I finally got signal on the Wi-Fi uh, for the lottery numbers. And I didn't have a single number. I, I bought 10 bucks worth of numbers and didn't have a single number. And so I went back to the board. I was mad. Yeah, I would have asked, what was that about? Uh, they kept on saying, sorry, it was a joke. Uh, sorry, you're offended. Everything like that. But, I mean, I was pissed right off, to be blunt. And I'm I, here I am scolding this board like I would a child for, you know, doing something really, really wrong. Except with swear words. I was that yeah. mad. You know, because honestly, well, I well, felt played. With whom were you speaking? Do you know? It was, we had connected with a number of very friendly spirits. Okay. okay. Because this this property that we worked on was really, really haunted. Real haunted property. It had ghosts. It had, it had fairies. It had Bigfoot. It had UFOs. It had aliens. It had mm. everything going on. And... And we always tried to, everything was all about peace, love, and light. Like the entire 10 acres mm-hmm. of the property was was grounded. We did, you know, we did everything to try and keep that area as pure as possible. Like we didn't even film anything. There was a rule, okay, mm-hmm. that there was no filming or camera work allowed. Everything was a personal experience. That mm-hmm. way the spirits or whatever would feel comfortable there that they weren't being used. And they well, played I, me. I think they it's great me. you made contact. They played but, me. But I'll say this, Dave. I'll say this. You, you Feeling stuck when it comes to writing? Jasper is an AI writing assistant that helps you break through writer's block, create blogs, social content, add variations, really anything you can imagine, much faster than you would on your own. With Jasper's texture image generator, you can even create original art. Convey your best ideas better and faster with Jasper. No more blank pages or unfinished pieces. Try Jasper for free at jasper.ai today. When you stay at a Verbo, you always get the whole home. The whole upstairs, the whole downstairs, and the whole nap room. Only whole vacation homes. Always all yours. Book on the Verbo app. You, when you first start using the board, I don't know how long you've been using it, but I can tell you, and if I even sit down with somebody new, it's not the solid connection I have when I'm with somebody that I've been using it for years. So it takes time to build it up. So I don't know how long you, you've been using it with these people, but I will say this, never trust the accuracy of the messages in the beginning. Now people say, what does the beginning mean? It could be months. It could be years for some people. It's really about you making that connection yourself. 
It's not the board, but you be able to channel those energies clearly. But then again, there are energies out there that like to play fun and games. And so this is where the tool, I think gets its bad rap sometimes in terms of there's always these beliefs and there's always these things that happen. And, but yet there's, I can tell you once like I made that connection with myself, knowing that it wasn't the board and I was connected with the guides, the, the, I'll, we can talk about that later. The guides that I, I call the guides, it's, it's legit. It's legit every time, but it's no different than somebody who channels, let's say Bashar, Daryl Anka, who channels Bashar. That's legit every time too, but he's been, he's been working at it since the eighties. I've been working at my channeling skills since 73. So I never expect anybody who doesn't use it religiously, devoutly, really working on it for them to get solid messages every time. Having said that, sometimes people will just sit down at the board and all of a sudden get this message from somebody who might have transitioned that had an opportunity to come through and it's very legit. So you really got to write down the messages over time and you'll start seeing if they really are accurate or not. And once you start hitting that critical mass or the threshold where you can say, Oh, now, now they're all coming through legitimately and you can actually check out the information. Then you know, you made a solid connection. So yeah, always take with the grain of salt in the beginning day, but I see it as entertainment in the beginning. And that's what I I tell people to, to do when they use this tool until they get that legitimate stuff. Like I said, built up over time. And you'll know because you either record the messages in some format. I do, um, sometimes I do audio. I know I do audio every time. Sometimes I do video, but I always write it down. So that's, that's important to do too. Very true. We only got about 20 seconds here before we got to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Karen A. Dahlman is our guest. We're talking spirit communication, Ouija boards, everything to go along with it. All night long. I know some people are going to be freaked out. Don't be scared. Old Davy will mm-hmm. hold your hand right through it. Right through the experience. Sometimes you just got to jump in and go. That's all I'm saying. Just go for it. It's like a new hairdo. Sometimes you just got to try it. Spaced Out Radio. Karen A. Dahlman. The Ouija Board. We continue it on the Mighty SOR when we return. Right after this. Stay tuned. More Spaced Out Radio after this break. All right, we are clear. Just so you remember, uh, Karen, our YouTube audience can hear us. Right. All right. (laughs) Uh, Spreaker, people listening in Spreaker right now. I'm having a hell of a time getting in there right now. Uh, Finally... Looking like I'm able to, so uh, there we go. So what's what else is new? Me or filth? You. <laughs> I'm enjoying eyes drawing. Um, yeah, so I got some events coming up, Dave. I'm pretty excited about. Fire away! Let us know. Yeah. So. Um, this uh, March next month, it's actually about a month from two days from now, the seventh is three days from now, the 17th through the 19th is a big event called the Sedona Ascension Retreat. And that event is I'm going to be teaching um, how to use the board, be sitting down with people as well as speaking about how to connect with your higher self on and off the board. I think, I think when people get started, one of the best places to work with this tool is connect with your higher self, greater self, inner self, that part of you that is, that's actually aware 
to start bringing in that energy into your life because you can get some great inspiration and, and creativity from that and wisdom. So that's what I've got coming up in March. And Dave, I think I told you I, I have another book that's coming out also in March, which I'm yes. super, super excited about. Pumped up for that. Yeah. So Dave, this book, I think I've told you about it before. You know how I channel animals? Yes. Okay. So one of my cats who is now in the afterlife, who's in spirit, started writing a book. So he told me the story and I, literally I'm writing it down, right? But he told me the story and it's a story he wrote when he was in this third dimension with us. And his name is Jack. And I think he used to make appearances on the show sometimes. And then I think he might've been on your show one time. He might've walked through or something, but, but he gave me the story, he downloaded telepathically. And then he worked with me through the board and I just channeled him. Basically. It's not the cat comes through the board. It's that I'm channeling the cat by using the board. And so he has interpreters on the other side that actually spell out the words. So it's not like the cat goes meow, meow. There's actually letters and words. So he channeled this story to me on and off the board over the years. And finally, uh, it's written now. It's done. I've been working with an illustrator, not unlike Dirty Filth, uh, but a different illustrator. And it's it's a beautiful poetic story about uh, the connection between humanity and our furry feline friends, the cat. And the story is about when cats used to fly with the wind. At one time in history, cats had wings. And it talks about how this, this angel cat befriended a sick little human and then began to become transformed because of this friendship they developed. There's much more to that, but I will tell you the, the title of the book now. It's called When Cats Had Wings. And it's truly a story that my cat wrote or channeled, and I, I wrote it out, typed it out. And it's a beautiful, sweet story. It's a picture book um, for all ages. It's It works well for children. It works well for adults because there definitely is a moral of the story in it. And so I'm super excited because um, Jack's super thrilled about it, too, that we're finally going to get this book out. Excellent. I want to give a shout out because I always love it when I see people from different countries and listening on Facebook. Adam Eva uh, from Romania tonight. That's our Mm. first. As far as I know, that's our first listener from Romania that I know of. Wonderful. Welcome. very, Very excited. Very excited about that. That's yeah, cool. very cool. I, I keep mentioning it, but right here behind me, where is it here? Right here, mm-hmm. I actually have a, I got for Christmas. I got to put it up yet. I keep saying I'm going to, uh, but I never seem to have time. Uh, I got a pinhole cushion or a pinhole board uh, m- map of the world so that for Christmas. So that way I can track where everybody is listening from and where I've where I've had listeners from. So I'm pretty excited. What a that going. great idea, Dave. Do that. That'd be a nice display to show that as well to people. That's really cool. Absolutely. You have a far-reaching audience. That's you do. what I thought. I think it's going to be fun once I get started. So, yes. We got about one minute here before we're going to launch again. Social Dig, Rob G., how are you, man? Good to see you. A uh, big thank you to Deb and Louie for kicking off the Super Chat tonight. Really appreciate the love and support. It's a great way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And, of course, uh, I want to remind everybody, I will be at UFOCon 2023 in San Francisco in about four weeks' time. So come join me. 
at uh, ufocon2023.com. John Ramirez, Science Bob, Melinda Leslie, and more. Sev Talk will be all speaking there. And if you don't want to go there, but you want to join us in Las Vegas, May 19th through 21st, 2023 at the Golden Nugget, Random Guy will be signing autographs during the entire process. Just don't look him in the eye. He doesn't like that. And uh, But we are going to be there. We want all of you there. Check the ticker below on our YouTube for more info. Here we go. Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Karen A. Dahlman is with us. She is an expert on talking boards, Ouija boards, spirit boards, the paranormal, supernatural, and of course, hair products as well because she has fantastic hair. We are so glad to have you here, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dave, you got great hair, too. What are you talking about? I know. Look at yours. Look at your beard. Yeah. Yeah, it all looks like one giant Santa Claus mask, doesn't it? But that's okay. <laughs> it's all like this around the face. <laughs> yep, it's all connected. It's all one big... I, so I got a question for you, Dave, about yes. your hair. Do you, do you use um, purple shampoo, or do you what kind of shampoo do you use to keep it white oh. and not yellow? Uh, I Number one, I only wash and condition twice a week. Yeah. Mondays and Fridays. Let the natural oils take over. That's smart. I agree. But number two, um, I I forget what kind of shampoo I use. I just grab whatever works. Nothing combined. Nothing combined. Yeah. And if it tingles and makes me feel uh, like a child again because it it gets all ticklish and cold, I like that kind of stuff. (laughs) Business today looks nothing like it did yesterday. While it's more unpredictable, its possibilities are endless. At ADP, turning unpredictability into an advantage is what we do. Using data-driven insights, we design HR solutions to help businesses work better, smarter, so they can think beyond today and find even more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll. ADP, always designing for people. Businesses need to think beyond today. That's why ADP uses data-driven insights to design HR solutions to help your business find more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll. ADP, always designing for people. I use natural, more natural shampoos is what I use. I realize that's better for me. I use a lot of natural products. So that's that's my background. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I, I do not. I do not. But... Okay. Well, give it a shot. Hey, somebody in there, Dave, asked the question about my oldest board. So I have an 1892 board. It's 
there somewhere. I can pull it down at the next break and show you guys. I also have a, um, the next oldest is 18, let me see, got 1892, 1898, 1902. But a lot of my collector colleagues, they have boards that are like 1890, which is when the board was, before it was stamped with Ouija, when they first came out with it. So that's a couple of years older than mine, but mine's circa 1892, 93. It was patent and trademark in 1891. So I have a pretty, pretty old board. It's, it's awesome. By the way, this plant check back here, is one of the original planchettes, what it looked like. They had really tall legs like this, you can see. And this is that this one also is about 1892. So it's a very, wow. very old planchette. Yeah. That's some old stuff. When you're a collector, you're into this. You're into all different types. I have boards, not just Ouija boards. I also have talking boards or what you call spirit boards. Now, Dave, I know we talked about this before, but for new people in here, not all boards are Ouija boards. And Dave, do you remember why that is? No. Pop quiz. No, I do not. I feel shame right now. Oh, don't feel shame. Okay. So uh, the reason why you guys, and some of you might in there know, because um, only it's a patent and trademark name and Parker brother, well now Hasbro owns it. And so that that's a name. So you can't say, it's like saying Kleenex for all tissue. So any board that's not a Ouija, it might have a different name. Like this one over here is a mystic tray board. I pointed back there. This one actually is Ouija because they actually, uh, they, they got the, the rights to use that name, but the rest behind me are Ouija's. Um, but other boards that are not are usually called spirit boards or talking boards. Now Ouija is a talking board, but a talking board isn't necessarily a Ouija. So there you Excellent. guys have it. There, there is your history. How fun is it to go? You know, how do you find these old boards? Because I'm sure mm. they're out there. I, I remember Robert Merch telling me that some of the most expensive mm -hmm. boards actually are the Canadian boards out there because they come in dual language. Yeah, I, and in fact, I have I have several uh, Canadian boards, but here's a planchette from a Canadian board. What the planchette looks like, just kind of big. It points. There's no you notice there's no hole in it. Just points. Um, yeah, so you can find these boards at estate sales, eBay, online, um, collectors. So a lot of times when I get some of my older boards, it's a collector's found the board and they've heard of it and they already have it. And they're like, Karen, you want to buy this? We do that for each other. So there's a network of collectors will do that. But you can look on eBay. You'll find a lot on eBay, Etsy. Um, and you can make your own boards, you guys. You don't have to have a Ouija board. People ask me that all the time. You can use your own. Like, here's an example. I think I've shared this before, Dave. Maybe I haven't. I like to do this trick. Do you, you, do you guys have no Trader Joe's? You, you might not know Trader Joe's. It's a, it's a store out here in the United States. And um, I just open my paper sack up. And I just write the alphabet on it and numbers, yes, no. And then I use this vegan True Whip. And this works like this. Move it around for the planchette. So you don't, this works, you guys, this works just as good as those boards behind me. And it's because, not because of the board, it's because I work. If you can get yourself to work and channel this way, any board will work. Here's an example of a mini one one of my friends made. Oh, it's like a great. resin thing. And then here's a, like a little planchette that goes on it. Even little ones can work as long as you believe you can get this to work. I, I can. I can get this to work. Um, there's, you know, you don't have to have one of these behind me, but these are fun to have. And if you're into collecting, I mean, there's a plethora. There's, it doesn't end. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of different boards and they're in other countries. So yes, yeah, you'll see boards in other languages. I have a board that somebody made me, an artist made, and it's a runic board. It's made in ruins. A colleague of mine made a braille board. 
It's all done with Braille letters. So that you can, the, the sky's the limit here. You get real creative with your boards. And um, if you think you want one and you're not sure what to buy yet, just make your own out of cardboard or like I did on a paper sack and then get it, get yourself using it and get it working for you and then go buy a board. Or just buy an expensive board that you can find for like, I don't know, 10 bucks. You might find even them at the Goodwill. We found them there for 3 or $5 sometimes. I have several uh, glow-in-the-dark boards because I use them when I travel and I train people. And I found a lot of those at the Goodwill. So you can get your boards from all over the place. going to ask you. In regards to, you know, making your own or whatever, has anybody famous ever come up to you and asked you for board advice? Because I think of I think of somebody like Kurt Hammett, the lead guitarist of of ah. Metallica, who literally has Ouija boards on his guitars. Yeah. No, I haven't heard from any of those people. Um, I've spoken to some famous people on the board because not because I want to. I'm not. That's not my thing. But people say, "Oh, I want to talk to so and so," and I've had a few different people come through for that reason because those people want to talk to him. But but yeah, no, I, I have people sometimes asking me. Uh, re- I have people reaching out all the time about advice about using the board, you know, how to use it and stuff. And they some people have like a following, or there might be a name you might recognize. Wow, wow, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, I, I, maybe because I'm so positive about it, because to me, it's just another tool to use. It's a, one of my favorite tools. And by the way, you guys, you can't see it behind me. I have shelves. They're stacked in three tiers going this way, six feet and going this way, 11 feet, three tiers behind me. Just right now on the walls, I have at least 34 boards. And then around my room, I have about another 10 and I have a total of 85. So what I do is I switch them out. I'll switch them around and split different ones when I'm doing shows or I want to pull one down and use it. I have used all my boards because um, all boards work because I work because I channel. <laughs> so that's basically, um, you know, about the board because it, once you learn to use one board, it'll transfer to the other boards. Dave, I have this really cool glass board. I don't know if I told you about that. No, that's I have that out in my main room on display. It's etched glass, has a glass glass planchette. It's really cool, pretty large too. Works uh, well. That would be beautiful. That would be beautiful to see. But do you have like Eric in our chat room a glow in the dark one? Yeah, I do. Um, I have this one up here. It's a glow-in-the-dark Ouija board that Hasbro made years ago, and I have a, several of those copies. I also have this planchette, which is actually a glow-in-the-dark planchette from my colleague's friend's Salem Witchboard Museum. If you've ever gone to Salem, you got to go see this. This is the this is the world's only all-full Ouija board museum and the largest. So you got to go in there. It's got Ouija's talking boards, spirit boards, all about that. And this one glows in the dark, so I love that. But I do have the glow-in-the-dark boards up there. Very cool. Very cool. Let's get into some stories here. All right. You know, because you're somebody who has talked to many spirits over the time, mm-hmm. whether you're you're looking towards the future, the past, the present. What what section do you prefer to look into? Well, a little bit of I gotta say a little bit of all that over the years. Um currently I'm I work more in the present. And it's because I do a lot of spiritual work now. And with my clients that come to me for readings, I'm working in the present in terms of what can they do now to shift their life to where they want to go. And so I will get into some future stuff that's coming because of, because of where they are currently and, and where their energy is focused. But I do work with the past, too, because a lot of my work for uh, people years ago on the board was they wanted to always see people think, Dave, before I finish that, that topic, 
People think the board is only used to communicate with the transitioned, who we call the dead. I call them transitioned because they're still alive in spirit, very much alive. The reality is it's a tool to use to reach into the unseen dimensions and talk to sentient beings. So a lot of people would come to me in the past just to do mediumship, meaning using the board to channel and communicate with their deceased relatives um, or friends or even their animals. But the reality of it is, as I was telling you about my cat's book he wrote, he authored, he told me about it when he was very much alive. You see, when you learn to channel, once you learn to channel, regardless of using a board or not, you can tap into sentience again of other beings without this board. You can, you can learn to, like you have people that do pet communication. That's what I do on and off the board. You can have people that that can channel extraterrestrials. Anybody can learn this. You can actually learn to do it on the board and learn to do it off the board if you so choose. Now, I know this is so sounds so outlandish, but the reality is we're learning so much more about consciousness right now. And that consciousness is not contained in our brain. It's really more the mind. But if you think about the mind, it's it's out. It permeates beyond the physical body. So I like to just call it consciousness or awareness. If you can find a way to tap into the consciousness and by doing it through your frequency and tuning yourself to reach those vibrations, which I call the intentions, it becomes the pathway, the circuitry to connect to that awareness. It's being able to be open to that and knowing it may not come to you as the way you expect it to come. It may come more like feelings, sensations, thoughts, ideas, concepts. A lot of it comes as feelings, which then get interpreted into words. And just so happens I'm so quick at doing that when I'm on the board, it get, becomes words, becomes words, because that's where I've learned to channel the best. But this is really no different than somebody like Abraham Hicks just channeling uh, Abraham. I'm just doing it through another medium. What do you like to, to channel, though? Do you like channeling the spirits of the past? Do you like to trying to talk to aliens or, or cryptids in the forest? What do you like doing? What, what, what's your, I love anything that's anything that's outside of the ordinary, the unseen dimensions. So I like talking to cryptids. I love communicating with all kinds of animals, wildlife. I love communicating with uh, those that are be off planet. Uh, my- Business today looks nothing like it did yesterday. While it's more unpredictable, its possibilities are endless. At ADP, turning unpredictability into an advantage is what we do. Using data-driven insights, we design HR solutions to help businesses work better, smarter, so they can think beyond today and find even more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll. ADP, always designing for people. When you stay at a Verbo, the host doesn't stay with you. Because a vacation home with a stranger sounds a little bit like a horror movie. Only whole vacation homes. Always private. Book on the Verbo app. My all-time favorite, Dave, is those that I call the guides. Simply the guides with capital T and a capital G. And they are the spirit beings. They are of source wisdom. They are an extension of source wisdom. And when they came to me, I didn't quite understand who they were. I just felt the power of them and I could feel their energy. When I connect with them, it just fills me up. And it's like this unconditional love. And that's what people say, well, how do you know who you're talking to? And, and how do you know if it's good or not? Because you're going to feel it. You've got to find, again, this is back to fine tuning yourself, fine tuning your body as the instrument. 
all the different senses that come with your body, fine tuning that to understand what's coming through and you're going to feel it and you start to know who they are. I call that spirit signatures. So when I feel the guides come through, there's this massive unconditional love that flows through me and I can feel it on the planchette too. And I go, oh, there's the guides. And I could tell it's a collective group of beings and I could tell who's who within that collective. Or when my cat Jack, who channeled the book, comes through, I know it's him. I know how he comes through or my angel comes through or even some extraterrestrials or interdimensional beings. I can tell who they are if I've spoken to them enough times or I should say channel them enough times. But I really enjoy talking to the guides because they're the ones that come through when I do my readings off the board. And they're the ones that come through always nowadays on the board. Dave, when you and I did a lot of those live shows on your channel, when Rodney was working with me, that's who we were in communication with was the guides who would give all your audience messages. It was them that came through. And sometimes they would bring through other beings that might've had an answer or they would interpret what the other being wanted to say, such as somebody's uh, deceased loved one. But that's who I love. They're, they're what I call Dave, my gatekeepers. They're what I call my uh, bouncers. They're the ones that actually moderate the session. And they're the first I connect with the, the channel is so strong for me with them that I work with them off the board when I'm giving my readings. And so how they come to me is more like a feeling and that feeling gets interpreted into words. It's like packets of downloads information. I feel it and I put the words to it. But again, it's because of my intention and my understanding and belief that I've done it enough times that it's like swinging that golf club. When you swing it enough times, you get, you, you get body memory, muscle memory. And I would call it more like I've got cellular, not cellular, cellular memory to connect with them. So they're like a, it's an easy one to connect with. In fact, I feel I'm coming here, coming through. They're here right now as I'm speaking. Cause I made that connection just by talking about them. They're my favorite because they're so positive in terms of that's all they are. They, they support humanity. They want to help people. They, they want to lift us up and they want to be our cheerleaders and help guide us or give us inspiration to really live our own lives. So they won't, they won't give you answers to make, they won't give you answers to change your life in terms of um, living it for you, but they will definitely give you ideas of things to think about that'll help you or spearhead within yourself to start thinking of the solutions you're looking for or the guidance you're looking for. One more thing about the guides I want to say. Um, I've been talking to them since 1994 is when they first entered the board. So it's been, you know, almost 30 years talking to these guys. It's been, it's been a long time. So when they came through, um, I just got used to feeling their energy and they come through in bigger ways. Now I think that'll continue. I think it always evolves and grows, but what they said to me, they said, what separates us from you, meaning humanity is that we vibrate at a higher frequency. So we're at a different rate of frequency vibration that the human being a human body, we're not able to quite do. But they said, the difference is we know we are source. You forgot who you are. And so part of their work that they work with me on is helping humanity and assist humanity to evolve to our greater selves. That's why a lot of the work I'm doing now, especially when I go to the Sedona Ascension Retreat in March and, and mo almost every, <laughs> all these events I've been doing in the last several years, I always get to the point where I talk about connecting with your higher self. The guides have really pushed me to teach that to people where you can tap into your own, what I call your own personal guiding system, GPS, your, your guide, guiding, guiding personal spirit, which is your GPS, which is really your higher self. And that way it's not so woo woo for people. You're really tapping into yourself. That is an extension of source. 
instead of thinking you're talking to some kind of ooh spooky spirits out here. Well, you can do that too, and I can show you how to do that if you want. But I also teach you how to get that tap, tap into the the you that is your most evolved self to get guidance and inspiration uh, in your life. So that that's kind of where the jest is, and that is why I love talking to the guides. They teach that. Why do so many of us want to connect with the dead? connect with the other side is it loneliness is it curiosity you know i think it's a little bit it's 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 that both of those things it's also you know since the dawn of humanity we always go wondered what's beyond what is this all about why am I here? Where am I going? Where did I come from? And maybe we thought about that more. We had time, not just, you know, clubbing each other and figuring out where our food's coming from next. But as we started developing ritual and we started developing systems around the death, when people would leave us and their soul would leave and they'd be dead, we would find ways to bury them with, with ritual, with, with the purpose to give them an afterlife to, to, or to help them usher them into an afterlife. There was a belief there's something else where that's going into a place called heaven nirvana or is going to the earth and just promoting growth on some level, but or going down the Nile, uh, not denial, but the Nile and going into the afterworld, the underworld. There's so, there, We always knew there was something beyond and we're trying to understand that. And I think when our loved ones leave, you know, we're sad. We may not have a closure. We can't believe they're gone. We want that one more time to have that contact. Um, we also want to understand our own mortality. You know, if they exist afterwards and I can talk to them or see them or they come back to visit, maybe there's hope for me, too. I mean, that's a very elementary way of looking at it. But I think we're we're curious by nature and we really want to understand um, what's next. What's next? Is this all? And then why am I living if this is it? So there wants to be a purpose and a, a meaning to life. And that includes what happens to us if there is an afterlife. Very true. Very true. And and with mm-hmm. many people out there, including yours truly, who has an absolute fear of death, you know, you mm-hmm. want some sort of confirmation that there is stuff going on afterwards. We may not be here physically, but we're somewhere. And hopefully it's better. Hopefully it's better. But nonetheless, in hour number two, we are going to get to audience questions with you. We have about three minutes. Give us a short story of something really cool that's happened to you with the Ouija board. Oh boy. Okay. So there's so many stories, you guys. And I read about them in my books for sure. One story was with, it started in, in Mexico. I was on a golf trip. Here we are talking about golf again. I was on a golf trip and I did not bring my Ouija board, but my friend who was on this trip with me brought the Ouija board and she had the glowing plant shed. It was the glow in the dark board, you guys on the nightstand between our two beds. And I get up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden this spirit apparition, boom, popped up in front of me and I went, I mean, it was spooky, you guys. And I usually don't get spooked by these things. It it was all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh my God. So I told my friend, she's like, what are you worried about? You like ghosts. She's like going like this, moving the air around. (laughs) Like that would clear it. She's like, don't worry about it. I was spooked because I wasn't expecting it. Uh, And then I saw in the nightstand was this glow in the dark planchette. I said, that's like putting out one 900 call Karen. (laughs) It's like putting it out there to call me to make contact on the board. Because once I have the board and the planchette, it's like, boom, the energy start coming in. There's more to the story than that, but I will say this in a nutshell. We uncovered this whole 
ghostly, this phantasma is what they call them in Mexico that used to walk the beach. And I said, well, she's in my room. <laughs> she's walking the room. And we ended up reuniting her with her daughter who was killed by her husband and the woman committed suicide and she walks the beach. And that's what the, everybody at the staff told me that story until I told them there was this ghost in my room, Phantasma. And then I found the girl and we put a, we helped them reunite. And that story, you guys started in Mexico and it finished when I got back to California where this woman came back to me on the board and I helped her go with into the light because she asked for that help. Anyway, there's so much more to the story than that, but it's amazing that spirits non-local. I don't have to be Dave. That's the moral of the story. You don't have to be in the locale to make contact. You could be elsewhere and still make contact in that spooky place. Very true. Very true. We got 90 seconds left. You know, as you go through your own encounters with this cre- this uh, creation that we call the Ouija board or talking board, you know, do you ever, ever feel slighted or scared going into it? Not now. Absolutely not now. I've got the guides coming through every single time that again, they are like my bouncers, the master mistress of ceremony. They, they, they keep it always at that level of energy. And even if somebody was in the room who was negative, it didn't, wouldn't matter. They keep it at that energy or we just stop. I can tell, but yeah, no, I, I don't feel any hesitancy. I don't feel any fear. And I use the board, you guys, it doesn't have to be at night. It doesn't have, doesn't have to be with candles or in the dark. I use the board. I've used it in a swimming pool. I've used it in the park. I've used it on the plane. I've used it in varying places places because it's just a, a natural ability for me again it's just channeling and you can do that anywhere you want but yeah no i i have no fear no trepidation at all of using any ouija board any ouija board but you never use it alone i can use it alone i'm just not as good i'm much better as you've seen when i use it with a partner mm. should people always use a partner not always we could talk about that some more because I'd like to explore that further. I know people have questions about that. Not not necessarily. You you can use it alone if you choose to. I'm going to tell you this. You're going to have better results in the beginning if you use it with a partner because you're going to be able to let go. You're not going to second guess yourself when it starts to move by yourself. Oh, I'm pushing that. Oh, it's an accident. It's the idiomotor. My muscle's doing this. Uh, when you're with another, you'll tend to let go. You might question the other person, but you'll let go. And so it's going to be a lot easier to get the movement and understand how it works. All right. Karen A. Dahlman, Ouija board expert, paranormal investigator, researcher, author. Got a new book coming out in March. We love her around here. She's always a big support of what we do on Spaced Out Radio. Hour number two with Karen A. Dahlman is next. Stay tuned. More paranormal chatter when we return. All right, Dirte. Karen, we got about five and a half minutes. I'm going to just step away for a minute. Uh, Dirty is going to come in, tell us where everybody can find his book, his art, his calendar, his sexy webbed feet, you know. <laughs> Great. You want, want to chat with him or just watch? He'll be right there. I was going to sit there for a little bit and not say anything, but anyways, if you go to filthy.com, that's F-Y-L-T-H-Y.com, you can scoop a copy of my book or calendar or prints, send me an email so I have something to read while I'm at work and should be working instead of 
<clears throat> reading emails. Or you come to Las Vegas. I'll be in Vegas handing out cartoons to anybody that can find me. I think Brown Dwarf will even be there. Yeah, I got a great big stack of cartoons, little art cards. Yeah, it's got a gigantic stack of art cards. And uh, I'm even going to be drawing in between the shows as well. So I might put everybody's name in a hat or something, and then somebody can draw, and then I don't know. That's the bridge I'll cross when I get there. But I'm going to bring a ton of these things, so you might even get two. If you're lucky. No Susie B. Actually, I do own a striped shirt, but it's Freddy Krueger colors. Less sweet. No. I don't have anything in Edmonton. I was trying to get some stuff at, I think it was Ascension Books. But when I went there with my friend, they there was some tomfoolery, but no. I'm going to do the art walk this year, though. Less sweet. So I'll have a whole bunch of original paintings there. I did that a couple of years ago. It was... It was fun. It got rained out. Some of my paintings got soiled. But now they have character. I, I don't actually have them anymore. I end up selling them all. But they have character wherever they are now. Oh, yeah, Jessica. That's the best paint in the world. Uh, a friend of mine on Twitter got a hold of me and just goes, Hey, can I send you some stuff? So I got this nifty little tray and uh, a whole bunch of paints. This tray is just great. I put some hot glue in the bottom so it doesn't slide around my desk. And also so the jerk cats can't hit it or anything and knock it over. But yeah, Daniel Smith is probably the best watercolor paint out there that I've used so far. And I'm not a professional. I don't have like giant murals on walls, but I like this stuff. It's good. It's got a nice color. Oot, out. I'm going to figure it out. Out. Great. Now that word says, has no meaning to me whatsoever. Thank you, Chris. Just waiting for the blood to dry in the heart here. Because I got a, got a flower. Because I got a bunch of flowers and vines in my art studio here. Museum Mount Sticky Stuff. Oh, I think it's probably out of my price range. Possibly. Look, there's Super Duke hiding in the f hiding like a Sasquatch. Oh, I don't know, Brown Dwarf. Actually, I've done acrylics and stuff. The only thing about acrylics is it takes long. There's also a thing at the paint spot here in Edmonton. It's an art, an art store. And they're having a paint whatever on a 12 by 12. So I'm definitely Super Duke. I'm not Super Duke. I'm just yelling Super Duke. I'm definitely going to be drawing a man in black for that one. And I think Travis is also going to do a painting. And we're just going to like give them all the woo possible.
excuse me. How Dude, you doing, buddy? This is so neat. I set up a, I set up a another monitor so I can kind of see what everyone's saying instead of trying oh, to look through. Oh, nice! Look light. at you go, I'm fancy. Look yeah. at you go. Paint's almost dry here, and then I'm good to go. That is sweet. Lily Pond, how are you? Who else has jumped in here late? Karen, are you coming to Vegas? I have it on my calendar, you guys. If I can, I will. I've got another book I'm working on, too. I got, I, this year's been busy for writing. Dirty Filth, I want to tell you that is the cutest picture. You got it. Is that, is that your cat? Or who is that using the Ouija board? You'll just have to stick around for the next half hour and find out. Okay, because that is absolutely adorable. I love it. It's going to be a good one, I, I promise. Dirty, a question for you here quickly from Les. Do you sell your stuff anywhere 47. in Edmonton? No. I'll be at the Art Walk this year, though, on White Ave. Yeah, good. Good. Ugh. You're not allowed to bring copies of things, so it's all original artwork that will be there. <clears throat> and I'll be drawing stuff, just like in Vegas. Excellent. Hi, National Memorial. And a big thank you to both Deb and Louie for the super chats tonight. And we really do appreciate the love and support. We'll see you all at UFOCon 2023. Go to UFOCon2023.com for your tickets. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives for free. At youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio, do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Abydus. Abydus is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Karen A. Dahlman is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We're talking spirit communication through the Ouija board. No, you don't need to be scared for this one. You don't need to give any Hail Marys or touch your ro- your rosary beads or anything like that. This is all in pure honest fun. Karen has a book coming out in March. I can't wait to hear that. She may even join us for our Las Vegas fan party at the Golden Nugget. We're hoping she shows up. Karen, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, don't you just love that word plethora? I use that word a lot too. I know you do too. I love that word. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that is plethora. my that has been my favorite word ever since the three amigos. Oh, is that where you got that from? Yeah, yes. I love that word. It's a great word. When El Guapo <laughs> dropped a plethora, and I was yeah. like, wow, that's a great You're word. like, what's a plethora? What well, listen, a- I got a plethora of boards. Dave, I brought, I brought, I went and grabbed some at commercial to show you some different kinds of boards, if I may. Sure. We just, it's hard for our radio audience to see them. 
So, oh, that's true. I'll explain. Then I'll explain them. How's that sound? All right. So, if you want to do that, then we'll get to some audience questions. That would be great. That'd be great. Okay, I'll just show you real quickly a few. This one I'm showing right now that I'm showing the audience is a a replica of Ouijazilla. That's the world's largest Ouija board we brought to the Salem Commons in 2019. This is actually a replica of it, exactly what it was. This is 99 pieces of plywood boards. This was huge. Rick Schreck, the VP of the Talking Board Historical Society, created this. We helped him put it together. So this is kind of a a one-of-a-kind board. All right, so I want to show you some others. You can also get boards that are angel boards. Here's one. A psychologist made this. She sent it to me. It's really cute. Look at that. Archangels are in this board. I like that. This board, you guys asked about my glow-in-the-dark board. Here it is. This is the one by Hasbro. Well, um, it's Hasbro owns it now. But, yeah, Hasbro did bring this one out. So there you go. That's the glow-in-the-dark. It's funny. I turn my lights off in my – I call it my room of woo. This is my room of woo. I turn my lights off, and I'll come in here. That one's glowing on the wall. Here's my oldest board, guys. They're large. The old boards were very large. This is a, this is the one that's 18, circa 1892-93. And this is its planchette, as I mentioned before. That's what it looked like on the board. It pointed wow. to it. Yeah, so I wanted to show you that. People ask, and I want to show you. Raising Cane's wants to help you get extra saucy this Mardi Gras. Stop by Cane's and pick up a doubloon for just $1. Then present the doubloon on all of your visits through April 6th for a free Cane's sauce with any purchase. Let the sauce and good times roll. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> Doubloons available to purchase 123.23 through 221.23. Redemption of offer valid 123.23 to 4623 at participating restaurants while supplies last. Limit one extra cane sauce with purchase per day. Four juicy Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. Texas toast, fries, coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. One love, ready to go. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> Another one. This is a cool one. This is called the Egyptian portal board. I want to give you guys inspiration to make your own. Somebody made this for me, okay? And here's the planchette. Look at this. How cool is this? It's an, it looks like an onk for people that are listening on, on the audio. It's an onk planchette with the big eye in the middle, like the eye of horse. Yes, no, perhaps, and information, the, the letters and stuff. And then also... One last board to show you that are unique. Because I think if you're going to get a board, start thinking in terms of what inspires you. This was made by an artist. Her name's Lauren Morris of, of Primitive Rich Witchery. She's a friend of mine. She made this. It's called the Luna Board. It's a big moon in the middle. Letters are all around the outside of the board. And what's interesting is the planchette. Look at this. This is actually a Luna Moth. Now, no, no animals were killed in this making of this. What happened is one day she and her neighbor had all these Luna moths that just died overnight laying on her ground. So she and her neighbor picked them up and they thought, what are we going to do with these? She put them in resin and made that into the planchette. Oh, wow. So just to get you guys some ideas, really, it, your, your talking board, Ouija board, spirit boards can be made out of many different things. That's like a tabletop. You can buy it Lowe's or, um, or you know, Home Depot kind of store, and you just painted it instead of putting legs on it. I have, I have people I know who took a table, and large tables, and made those into their Ouija boards. So you really – the sky's the limit here, as I said before. The sky's not even the limit. Just 
Think outside the box, guys. Think outside the think off the board. There you go. Think off the board. Think off make the your board. Own board. That is think off the board. Should you have a board blessed or anything like that? Okay, so what I tell people when when it comes to rituals around your board, what are you currently doing with your tools? Let's say you use a pendulum. Do you bless your pendulum? Do you do sage? Do you say a prayer before you start? Any kind of ritual that allows you to, this is the key, you guys, here's the key, to get into a space where you're ready, willing, and you're excited to use this tool or you're open to using the tool. See, when you're excited and you're open, that's a higher vibration than being scared. When you're scared and use these tools, that's when you're going to attract other things to you of that same vibration. So yes, do a ritual if it makes sense. You could say a prayer. I say an invocation. And the reason why is to raise the frequency in the room with my partner or people that come to my sessions. I sometimes I sometimes I burn candles. Sometimes I burn incense. Sometimes I do Palo Santos oil. Whatever makes you get in that space. The, the, the key here and the answer here is get yourself to a vibratory state of that of which you want to connect with. Simple as that. Simple as that. Right before the break, I asked you, should you use a Ouija board alone? And you mm-hmm. said you wanted to get into that. Well, I think a lot of people have questions about that. Now, all right. So I have talked about in one of my books about using it, not using it alone. And I have to, I, have to, I probably should have stayed in there why I say that. And I say because it's so hard to get the board to work, number one. Number two, I do have a lot of younger people who follow me. And when I say younger, they're, you know, teenagers, et cetera, who might be, so get so uh, um, absorbed with using this tool in a way obsessed, not possessed, obsessed with it, that they just want to use it to answer everything. What am I wearing tomorrow? Uh, who am I going to meet at school? Who's my boyfriend? Am I going to go to prom? You know, that of, of that age. And so I hate to see people get obsessed with this. And I talk about that in my book, The Spirits of Ouija, because I had friends when I was in college who would use the board. And they would not go to class. I'm thinking, you're spending all this money on your classes. You're not going to go. I mean, to me, it just seemed ridiculous to, in lieu of living your life, that you're going to re- you're going to rely on other spirits, beings, energies out there. And that's a big no no. But however, as an adult, if you could set limits for yourself and realize that you're going to get trickery, like you got Dave of the lottery, it was trickery. They told you that when you try to get your lottery numbers, and he mentioned that earlier in the show. Um, and when I was younger, I got trickery too, but it's just, you, you got to fine tune it again, making that direct connection where you won't get trickery. Cause that's possible. I don't get that anymore. I haven't gotten it since gosh, 89 <laughs> into trickery stopped then it was, but that was 20. What's that? That was 20 plus years using the board, uh, 26 years. Okay. Um, and I was also growing. I was also older. And now I was, I was an adult in 89. I was like, what was I? 20, 20 four, whatever, 25, 23, 24, whatever age I was. I can't, can't do the math right now, but it, it takes a maturity level to use the board. So yes, you can use it alone, but be mature about it. What does that mean? It means you set your own limits and boundaries. I, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't ask to get the lottery numbers because you're just going to not get it. You're just not going to get them. I've known nobody's gotten them. And I talked to a lot of people who use the board. Although people have found things like I mentioned earlier. So it's really what Rihanna you decide celeb who in a sense nuts. how you consecrate yourself with channeling with this tool. How do you want to use this tool? My focus has always been reaching into the unseen dimensions and making contact with spirit guides, my higher self, 
and those that can help give us inspiration and guidance. In fact, when I do my invocation, I will use those exact words because that's that's where I've been able to really um, do the best work for people. I, I'm a therapist, but you know, I'm trained as a therapist. So I'm always wanting to help people. And that's just the nature of who I am. So that made sense for me to be more, to use the board more on those levels. People use the boards in different ways. No way is wrong or right. I'm just saying that's been my focus. So pick your focus if you're going to use this tool. Do you want to just talk to your angels, meet the angels? Then really focus on doing that every session. You see, I really focused in the beginning on talking to the deceased. And once I realized I could go and talk to other beings beyond that, then I started making that my focus, such as talking to my higher self. And then I went on from there. And now I really just love talking to the guides and bringing in other beings uh, that have messages. Let's get to some audience questions here. Let's do. Louie wants to know, Karen, do you think Furby's function at a, as a board sometimes being serious? Well, first of all, what's Furby's? <laughs> I'm going to assume uh, animals. Oh, fur babies. Could be. I, I think, is that what you're saying? Forced? Are you saying like fur babies? Do you think Furby's function is board? Well, this is what I think. Okay, if that's what you asked, I, I think I get where you're going with this. It's it, it, as a board, they they can channel information to you if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to connect, if you're willing to feel, if you're willing to look within. By the way, you guys, all these connections I'm talking about, where they happen is within. I always talk about the heart. This is what I teach when I teach my classes is teaching to get into the center of your heart space and then channel from that space, whether it's the board, whether it's using cards, uh, the, the, the mirror back here, the, the crystal ball, whatever I'm doing, automatic writing. It's like you get to that space, then you can start hearing, feeling, noticing, getting images from the animals if they're talking about fur babies. By the way, when Jack wrote his book, this is what happened. The backstory is this. I was sitting there petting him one day. He was a very abused cat before I got him. He was three years old. And he was with this horrible, mean man who would kick him and throw him. Anyway, I got, I saved him and his half-brother, Panzer. And so, and Jack and Panzer, by the way, are in this book, The Spirits of Ouija. I talk about my channeling with them. If you want to learn to channel animals, this is a good book for you. So I was sitting there one day, not on the board. I already spoke to him on the board, just petted him. And all of a sudden I felt this incredible love and I heard the words. Have I ever told you the story when cats had wings? No. I'm like, where did that come from? And it was not me. And it just floated into my head. And you know the difference when you start channeling. I was like, no, tell me about it. Because I want to tell you this story. Would you write it down? And I did. And the story kept going and he told it to me over the years. He told me three versions of it. And I, two of the versions were probably not the best for children's book because it was about people being mean to cats, what happened to them with this man. I got all the whole story, but this other one was so beautiful. And it was um, a story about how cats used to fly and they were fairy tales. And you guys, the weirdest thing is this. I never looked this up online. I learned later that there was mythological creatures of cats that had wings. But Jack told me the story, first just petting him, a download of information, which is what fur, ba fur babies might function, kind of like a board they channeled through me. And then on the board, he would talk to me. And, and again, as I said, in the afterlife. And the last part of his story came through last August. 
And I was talking to him on the board. I, uh, Roddy and I had gotten together. We were talking to, actually to Jack about a story. Jack said, I'm ready to finish it up. And I said, okay, what's the ending? He goes, I will tell you. He didn't tell me on the board. I woke up the next day after I slept with this poem in my mind. And I heard the first four lines of it, which was two stanzas. I immediately wrote it down. And after I did that, it flowed out of me. And it was his way of saying, write the story, but write it poetically. And so it's a very beautiful poetic story, but it's his story. You guys, that's the cool part about it. It's not mine. I just put the words to it poetically, but it was his story. So it's, it's really neat, but I think it's enforcement. I don't know if that's what he meant or not. Well, that's, I, well, I, I have no idea. Let's get to James here. Is Zozo real or an internet myth? I love this one, you guys. So Darren Evans, who I know as a friend, and also Rosemary Ellen Guiley wrote a Zozo book together. You guys know about it. I was actually interviewed for that book. And my belief about this is when you constellate, okay, let me, so I'm going to go into psychological terms here, okay? So I studied Carl Jung, and I really believe in the archetypal energy. And when you constellate enough of that energy around yourself, whether it's positive, negative, in between, or indifferent, it doesn't matter. You start bringing that energy towards you. And that's basically what archetypes are. You can have somebody that's called the Puer Eternal, which is an archetype, which is the forever boy. Peter Pan was an example. My Four juicy Raisin Cane's chicken fingers, garlicky buttered Texas toast, crispy crinkle cut fries, fresh coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. We take pride in making the best chicken finger meals. One love, ready to go. And you can taste it in every bite. Raisin Cane's chicken fingers, one love. Four juicy Raisin Cane's chicken fingers, Texas toast, fries, coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. One love, ready to go. Raisin Cane's chicken fingers, one love. Michael Jackson's example, when you constellate too much of one energy, you become it. So I think there's an energetic field out there that you could call, maybe it's, maybe it's the Slender Man, maybe it's the Hat Man, maybe it's Zozo. Maybe it has different names. But when you constellate and you start hearing on the internet, it's called Zozo, then you start getting fearful and you bring that energy to you. It's like a tulpa. It's like a thought form. Is it real? It doesn't have to be. Can you make it real in your life? Sure. Things can happen. But that's because you're constellating it. So what I'm here to say about Zozo, it doesn't have to happen. Doesn't You don't have to become an eternal boy, puer eternal, or a puella, the, the, the eternal young girl, which are all these are, there's all different kinds of archetypes. Look, look them up, you guys. You'll see what I'm talking about. But it's when you start fixating on that energy, and start reading about it. You go, I want to talk to Zozo. You can make all these energies become that. And then you start bringing and drawing it around you. This is like consciousness again. This is why I'm so into pushing the boundaries of consciousness and exploring the unseen dimensions. Because I don't think we understand enough about how powerful creators we are just with our thoughts. And so Tulpa is, a, is a more of a Middle Eastern term that they use, which is creating a thought behind something to create that image or that object to come alive in your world. Doesn't mean it has to become alive in everybody's world, but for those people, it, you know, it can come alive for them. Very interesting. All right, let's continue on here. Let's go to crystal. Can you use a board like you would a remote viewing session to find someone? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Now, personally, that's again, not has not been my focus. I've not perfected it enough, but I met somebody I was filming for some show from documentary. And one of the, one of the people that I brought into the film was somebody who had contacted me because of his work and his family used a Ouija board to find the body of his deceased brother who died tragically. And they found it through the use of the Ouija board. So that's like remote viewing. So you guys using the Ouija board, it's, it be, it's almost like remote viewing in a way because you're tapping into something beyond what you think your consciousness is. And remote viewing is the same. You're actually projecting yourself somewhere and seeing what those things are. But it's also the ability, well, I'm going to call it one of our clear senses, which would be our intuition or I'm going to call it our consciousness, our awareness. That's something we have not used enough or we fully even understand how to, how to, how to frame it to even talk about it. I mean, I'm struggling to talk about it, but yes, you can use a board. It's like, you can use it for like remote viewing. In fact, when I do um, any investigations, even before I go to the place I'm going to, it's like remote viewing by getting, picking up on some of the energies before I get there and maybe even having conversations with them. And like I said, in Mexico, the Mexico story I told you, I had that entity contact me. I physically saw her. Then she spoke to me in the Ouija board. Then somebody saw her daughter. And then I spoke to the daughter, brought them together. And then here I am. That's Mexico now. Go back to California. And the story continues. So it's non-local. So that's why remote viewing can work. And that's why consciousness, you could start tapping into that. You could tap into consciousness that can be off planet, interstellar, interdimensional. You know, it's, it's, you're not confined by the bounds of the time space continuum that we have here in three, three dimensions, the three dimensional realm. How is the energy around the board or you when you're connected to extraterrestrials compared to cryptids compared to paranormal? Wow. That's a great question, Dave. Nobody's ever asked that. And I can tell you, I feel different with each one of them. And when I, when we bring in, so if you go to my my uh, YouTube channel, you'll see us channeling all kinds of different beings, such as um, dolphins, which aren't cryptids, but also we, we channeled uh, dragons. They actually like to be called dragoons. And I found out in, in the Asian world, they used to call them dragoons, not dragons. That's more of a Western term. But we, you can see us channeling all these different kinds of energies. Um, and it feels different. Each one feels differently. But sometimes I'm not, I'm not, um, What's the word I'm looking for? I'm not as experienced just doing nothing but dragons, dragoons for like years on end. But if I sat there and work with that energy, I guarantee I'd be able to tell it's different than maybe talking to a buffalo or a wild rattlesnake, which I've spoken to all these animals or even an extraterrestrial. Now I can tell you some of the things that I, that I do when I talk to these different beings, different consciousness of the beings, I may tap into what they call an oversoul or the consciousness of that species. So it's not necessarily always tapping into that one individual. It could be like, let's say I have spoken to wild wolves before, and we did tap into one wild wolf that wolf that was in Montana. And then the consciousness of the species came through and spoke to us as well. So I tend to talk to the oversoul first, and like, like um, for the, for example, the Buffalo, but I may just talk to a specific animal that I've seen um, and get right into that animal that was actually present, which doesn't represent the whole species. So it gets, you guys, it gets really uh, complicated and it's on some levels with the channeling. But after a while, Dave, you just start to feel the energies and you can tell who is who if you do it enough. Now, you guys, the book that I'm working on after this children's picture book, really, it's not a children's book. 
adults are going to probably love it a lot, probably even a lot more. It's about tapping into this consciousness, what we're talking about tonight. It's all the years I've been doing these different levels of consciousness starting in 89 to now and how I did it, who I spoke to, and also a lot of, a lot of research into it of, of how to approach this and how other schools of thought, such as quantum physics, is talking about consciousness. And the Native uh, Americans or the Native uh, species of, of, of humanity has done some of this stuff. And it's, I'm, I'm just... It's like trying to reinvent the wheel. They've already done it. So I'm just kind of piggybacking on some of their work, but I'm doing it in a new way, in a new way. All right. Let's continue on with audience questions. Let's go to Toe Tag. What do spirits sound like? Is it a voice as we know it, or is it an intuitive voice? God, that's such a great question because I've had it two different ways, okay? So I can hear spirit more as a sensation of feeling, and the feelings get put into words. Or I can hear it as a literal word in my head or, okay, there's actually three ways. The third way is outside of my head. Now, and I was like, what? Sometimes I've heard it right outside. And this is where I hear it, you guys. When I hear it outside my head, that's more rare for me. I can't say what it is like for everybody, but for me, it'll be very direct. It's a strong voice. It's outside because I hear it back here. It's right to the edge of my head and it'll say something to me. Like, for example, this was, gosh, this might've been in, about 1990-91, I had this really important ring. It was a ring that belonged to one of my brothers, and he gave it to me. And it was important to him, but he didn't want it anymore. He, he knew that I really liked it. And so I had it. I was wearing it all the time, all the time, all the time. And I lost it. I was like, oh, my God, where's that ring? Where's the ring? Cappy farts somewhere in my house. I searched for it for weeks and weeks, looking here, behind that, under this, under moving furniture. And finally, one day I'm standing there going, where is it? A voice said, look behind the door. Loud, clear as a bell. Somebody out here, not in my head. That was external. Look behind the door. Sure enough, there it was. I already looked there once. Where did it, where was it in the interim? You know, it's that kind of thing. Then I'll hear it in my head, which is more like my, maybe when I talk to myself, but it's clear and it, it's the way it feels. And then it becomes as words. And sometimes with the animals, it comes more as feelings or pictures. And then I put the words to it. So I've talked to other people who can do this as well. And by the way, all of us can do it. We just tend to not, uh, we don't pay attention to it. That's usually what it is. But a lot of people who perfect this stuff and work like I do, they're saying very similar things. They'll hear it out here. They'll hear it in here. Uh, or they'll get a sensation. Just recently, it was last May. Karen, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. Save that okay. story. We got a bunch more audience questions wanting to learn about the Ouija board. Not as evil as you may think, or that Hollywood makes it out to be. Karen A. Dahlman, researcher, author, experiencer. We'll be back with more right after this. Karen, do you have a YouTube channel? I, for- I forgot about that. I do. Go to YouTube and look under Karen A. Dahlman. Karen A. Dahlman. I'll go get the link right now. Karen. You guys, by the way, everything is under Karen A. Dahlman. Um, social media, everything you go to. My website, KarenADahlman.com. Put the middle initial in there. I can't believe I wasn't subscribed. I just subscribed. Yeah. What were you thinking? Hold on. I'm going to put the link in the chat room right now. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mark you. Thank you very much. If you'll do the same for me on uh, on your uh, channels there, on yours, I'm going to mark you as one of my favorites. 
Excellent. I'll do the same. Yeah. Well, you are one of my favorites, Dave. You know that. I know. I know, and I appreciate that. Uh, Where do I go here to do that? I always forget where this place is. Look at Dirty's picture. This is getting great. I haven't even seen it yet. I've been holding off. I know. It's. it's, I got to watch. It's like voyeurism or something. (laughs) True. True. Filthy voyeurism is what it is. That's what it is. That's why he's filthy, okay? You got that right. That's why I try to make it look good for everybody watching. Yeah, we got to keep this clean. It's G. Here, let's uh, move filthy up here. Look at, oh my God, that is super cute. He's communicating with the cat. Oh, that's dirty filth right there. And the cat drinks whiskey. I love it. I don't normally marry Sue myself into my drawings, but I figured it would be appropriate. Awesome. Look, look at the little cat toy in the corner. Look at the spider. That is adorable. I, I, super cool. Manara. There we go. That's the section I was looking for. That's my favorite artist in the world. That's uh, awesome what you did. It's not Four juicy Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, Texas Toast, Fries, Coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. One love, ready to go. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, one love. Four juicy Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, garlicky buttered Texas Toast, crispy crinkle cut fries, fresh coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. We take pride in making the best chicken finger meals. One love, ready to go. And you can taste it in every bite. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. Quite done yet. Got a little it, bit it, detail it makes me laugh. It makes me smile. I love art that makes it brings up an emotion. And this is great. And I love the way you wrote Ouija, too. That's awesome. <laughs> Alright, I've added you, Karen A. Dalman, to our list of of uh sor youtube friends excellent there you go like that's not gonna happen again wow can't believe just it. took me 10 years to get there <coughs> look at this look at random guy here i never mark dave as a favorite he's in the don't open until shit face list wow <laughs> wow That's random all, guy. I love that's it. almost funny, random guy. That's almost funny. And then he's like, when are you going to sub to my OnlyFans, Dave? Oh, you wish. Hey, Boss Monster, how you doing? That, that is pretty damn good there, Phil. That's a good one. Dang. Yeah, I figured it was appropriate. I think that's fantastic. It's totally the topic with the animal communication and... Different kind, a different kind of triangle. Maybe, maybe it's a TR3B planchette. Got to throw UFOs in there somewhere. That is that that is great. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> totally noticed I that. Come it. on, I am. I have a collection of planchettes behind me. That's beautiful, and the, I love the Ouija part. And the A through Z is like you've got to just go. <laughs> you can only gotta, go <laughs> And then you got uh, yeah, you got sun and moon. Why not? Yes, no. Yep. And by the way, the yes is by the sun and the no is by the moon. So you got that 
pretty accurate there. Way to go, filth. Yeah, I knew. I actually I knew that the entire time. It was a test. Are you testing Dave or myself? It was a test for both of you. Okay. Dave did wasn't I, taking did I pass it. or did Dave fail? I'm going to have to talk to both your parents after. <laughs> You're terrible. Treats, please. <laughs> I've got to tell you, you what's funny about that? Okay, so I when I talk to my cats, both of them are now, I have, diff- I have another cat that's alive. But Panzer and Jack, and Jack's the one who wrote the book, they both in this book here, I would ask them, is there anything else they want to tell me after they communicate? And they say, would you please get us treats or could you feed us tuna tonight? So it's true. They would ask for food almost every time I channeled with them. They asked for special food. So that's you really got that perfect. It's true about All right. food. All right. We got like 30 seconds. I want to say thank you to Deb and Louie for the super chats tonight. Remind all of you that May 19th through 21st at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, you can come get some dirty filth art of your own for a second annual fan party. We'd love to see you all there. And uh, register by going to info at spacedoutradio.com. Get your VIP tickets today. And I will be in San Francisco March 17th through 19th for UFOCon 2023. Let's see you there. Here we go. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, Reading the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Final time tonight. Karen A. Dahlman is here. Her YouTube channel, Karen A. Dahlman. Her website, KarenADahlman.com. And everything is Karen A. Dahlman about her. Even the Ouija board spells out Karen A. Dolman, Karen, thank you so much. I absolutely love that you're here tonight. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here with you guys. I love it. I love being here with you guys. You know that. Now, what was the story I was telling when I got rudely oh, interrupted? Yeah, that was my fault. That was my fault. I'm so sorry about that. I don't remember. I don't either. Let's just get it wasn't important. Let's just continue with it. Do you guys remember what I was talking about? It was I was on a roll there. Sometimes, sometimes when I'm sharing these stories, it's like I start channeling. It just starts. It's I like I, I can step out and they start channeling through. I forget what I was telling you, but if you guys remember, let me know. If not, we'll move on. Well, we're waiting. Uh, Eddie Petch says it was about how handsome he is. And oh, that's probably true. Yes. And uh, we're waiting. Yes, uh, Grandizer in Arizona is giving me crap. Dave, <laughs> please don't interrupt the wonderful guests. <laughs> well, you kind of had to. We we're coming to a break. Oh, the music was on. I had no choice. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Well, we can we can do some more questions, or we or we can just go 
just keep going. Hey, listen, okay, I never Su- run out of things Su- to say. Susie says, sorry for cutting you off. Susie says, last May at an event, Karen, is where you left off. Oh, Susie should win an award, a prize. Yes, I know I was going to tell you. Uh, thank you so much, Susie. Appreciate that. Okay, so here we go. I was at an event in May, just this last May, and I haven't heard the external voice in a while. When I say a while, it could have been maybe a year, could have been two years. It had been a while. I've been hearing more of the download within. And so I was walking. Okay, I had this room and this supposedly haunted. It was, it was, there was a lot of stuff going on. It's called the Bell Grove Plantation in Virginia. And so I was staying in one of the rooms. Uh, that was haunted. There's only like, I think four rooms in the house and they put the speakers in these rooms. So I had one room and I had opened it up to one of the other speakers to go get ready for her talk. I said, go on in there, use my bathroom, get dressed in there, put your makeup on, whatever you got to do. Ollie, when she was done, I said, I'll come back up there and then I'll use the room. So she had left the room and I went up there. Nobody else is in the building, but one other guy and he's tapping on his keyboard, writing up one of his books. And I, I said, Hey, did it, did my friend leave the room? He said, yeah, nobody's in there. And as I walk in, as soon as I crossed the threshold, opened the door, crossed it, it said, I'm sorry. And it was a voice that whispered, I'm sorry. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Jessica, are you in here? There was nobody in there. I walk out and I talk to Richard who's tapping away. He's like, no, nobody walked by. She left a while ago. And I'm like, go. All right. I don't do EVPs on you know electronic voice phenomenon on digital records. I do it out here. I said, I just had an EVP, but it was with my ears. So that was pretty cool. And I didn't tell anybody else about that other than the guy in the room. So after I left, the the woman who threw the event was, we were talking. She said, well, well, you know, give me some feedback, blah, blah, blah. And she said, I want to tell you, I ended up staying in the room you were in once you left. And I said, well, did, what was it like for you? She goes, well, the weird thing was I, I opened the door and there was a woman standing right there at the threshold with her hand on the hip. And I said, well, who was it? She goes, well, it's the woman that had the building. It was, it's a beautiful plantation, you guys. And she let it go in disrepair. She didn't take care of it. And I said, well, that's interesting. You got, you saw her because I heard her and she said, I'm sorry. And she said, that makes sense because she felt badly. She didn't take care of it when she actually, somebody else bought it from her. So that was my last out here kind of voice. So thanks Susie for reminding me about that. Excellent. Let's get to some more audience questions here because they are piled up. We are okay. short of time. Lou Cruz is asking, any safety precautions for Ouija talk and spirit board beginners and experienced individuals? Well, um, precautions is a pretty strong word. Um, I, okay. So what I would say is precaution is don't become obsessed with it. Um, use it, you know, sparingly in the beginning because it's not like it's going to run your life or you shouldn't give your energy over to anybody, anything to run your life. So that's probably a precaution. I would call it more like a uh, courtesy thought. (laughs) Okay. Semantics precaution. I would say um, you can use it by yourself, but it's going to be harder. You could, but probably try it with somebody else because it'll work better. Um, Precaution. Don't. Okay. Here we go. Here's one. Don't use it when you're feeling negative. Maybe don't use it when you're imbibing in substances that alters uh, your thinking process, meaning it, it makes you either depressed, um, uh, maybe not, not logical. So we're talking about maybe some drugs, some medicines might do that. Some people get too jacked up on coffee. Maybe that's going to make you just too impatient or jittery. So just think about what you're doing with your body, what you're imbibing in. 
um, to get a clear connection. So yeah, I, I don't, I won't drink when I do it. I, I, I will use coffee. Um, I don't get too, too jittered up with coffee. Um, I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't be smoking toke or, you know, if it's, if it makes your um, senses depleted or, or downgraded anyway, um, or even you're tripping on something, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing it because it's not going to be legit. It, it's so to make it really legit, you've got to get yourself in a centered space. So the, so the things I would say, the courtesy things I would say is really allow yourself to raise your vibration and what I find is joy, happiness does that, um, being excited, maybe even being neutral, at least checks you out of the mundane into more of the um, energies that, that, that work well with the unseen dimensions. And so if you want to reach your spirit guides, which a lot of people want to talk to their spirit guides, which I think is a great place to start to hire self spirit guides, my two top connections to make in the very beginning, because that's who you're going to connect with it's going to help you in your life and in profound ways not live your life but assist you in making maybe some decisions maybe thinking things through giving you some ideas they they help me be very creative but to make those connections it's like you've got to be in that vibration that they're in so think of trying some way to elevate your your um your mood check it check your stuff at the door if you have residue of the day that just is not a pleasant day check your you can still use it but just Try to set that aside, set that aside. And the other thing is try to get into a space where you can be undisturbed. If the phone's going off, somebody's texting or somebody's thinking about something, they're not, they're not getting focused. You really, you've got to get focused. You got to make this time, the special time, a sacred time to cut out, carve out, to do only that work with the board. Because if you start doing all these other things, oh, I'm going to do crystal work and I'm going to channel during this and I'm going to guess the letters and I'm going to do this. It's like you're, you're, you're totally taking away the ability to channel in this manner. The Ouija board is made to spell out. It's not made to guess what the next word's coming. You do that, then you might as well just start channeling, get off the board. If you want to lose, learn, you lose the board, you got to learn to let it talk, meaning let it spell out. So you'll see me never guessing words, especially if I'm training and especially if I'm doing sessions for people uh, we've done, like we've done with, with Dave's show. It's like I'm actually allowing it to spell out because I might think the word's going to be one way and it tends to be it goes another way. And when you start guessing it, then it's a whole – then you're just channeling a different way. So really learned to use the board for what it was used to do, which was to spell. I don't know. I can go on and on, but those are some of the basic um, ideas or concepts in terms of getting this tool to work. Let's go to Soul Seeker. Do you ever use other tools besides a board, like a radio or spirit box? I like that question. Yes, I do. I don't. I don't own a spirit box. I do EVPs, but I don't own the, the you know the radio boxes, the Frank's boxes, and the obelisk and all that. However, I do have a lot of friends who have all those tools, all those toys, all the uh, I call them more of the new age or the um, electronic data tools. I use old school, old school for me. I don't need batteries. I don't need <laughs> any electronics. It's, it's just the Ouija board, but yeah, I, I play with other tools. In fact, in October, this last October, I met up with a bunch of my friends who are into this industry and they wanted, they'd like to do investigations. And they have all the tools, all the gadgets, SLS, all that stuff, the cameras. And we use all of them together along with the Ouija board. And that's usually what that's usually the tool I use. But I enjoy using the other ones and experimenting with them because it's always interesting to see what else you can get, what else you can capture with, you know, the convenience of modern day electronics. 
and why not use them? But I, but I also use um, the old school tools, as I mentioned earlier, like the tarot. I'll, I'll use the tarot cards and I'll use the pendulum and dowsing rods and the, and the scrying. You can scry with the mirrors, the crystal ball. You could even scry in your phone because this is actually a black mirror. You could scry there or you scry in water. But I use, I tend, you guys, I tend to use the old tools that don't require batteries just because it's what I'm used to doing and what I grew up with. But I do like the new stuff too. Excellent. Let's continue on. Brown Dwarf. I recently got the opportunity to see Esther and Abraham Hicks in Los Angeles. What exactly is Esther doing with Abraham and his Abraham source? Mm -hmm. I recommend everyone to check her out. Thank you, Brown Dwarf. Uh, Listen, absolutely true. She's phenomenal. Um, So Esther is basically trans-channeling. She checks out. Um, and that's what she says. She doesn't want anybody to touch her or hug her. She just kind of comes and goes, right? You don't get a chance to really interact, but she's channeling a group of beings. That's just, the name is just Abraham. And if you ask her about that, it's not necessarily that's Abraham from the Bible, that it's just the name that, that she gave that collective or they gave it to her themselves. So often when you start channeling source energy and I, and I do believe that Abraham is an energy of source wisdom, not unlike the beings that I channel that I call the guides, the same information she gets very similar messages. Uh, we'll get when I say we Rodney and I, my partners that I worked with who are really good at using the tool because you're tapping into the same source. So what I find is that they don't have names and, a lot, and because we're human and we're used to having names for each other and for ourselves, for our pets, even for a car, you know, inanimate things, we name everything because that just makes it easier to talk about something or to say, hey, instead of going, hey, you, I would go, Dave, you know, hey, hey, yeah. random guy. You know, I wouldn't be saying, yo, yo, you, you. So, so we like to name and label everything. And what spirit tells me, and I say spirit, and I'm talking in the global sense, they don't have names. Now, human people that have transitioned do, but She's not talking to like dead people, although they make jokes about, oh, we're spooks and we're dead and all this stuff. It's all, it's funny. So here's a really cool story about Abraham Hicks, you guys. Oh, two, two. What, they're both are really quick. One is Jerry, her husband, used a Ouija board. And, and I know Abraham, uh, excuse me, Esther Hicks didn't like it. And it's because I don't think she understood it. So, if you, so it doesn't mean she's a bad challenge. She's a fantastic channeler. It's that she just didn't understand the, the value of, of using the tool. Uh, Jerry did. Okay, that's a small story. Here's a real interesting story, Dave. You're going to like this. So I had tickets to go to Abraham. And I've seen Abraham a couple of times. And I was down, down in San Diego. And I asked Rodney if he wanted to go with me because he was channeling with me with this board tool. And this is after we've been channeling together, I think, about six years. So I, we were talking to the guides. And the guides said, hey, tomorrow's going to be a great day for you. You get to hear us come through another person. I'm like, What? And I say, yeah, you just go enjoy what you're going to hear tomorrow at the event, which was Abraham Hicks event. This is what, okay, I can't remember the, the words. I have it written down. This will be my new book. All right. They, they said verbatim these words, this phrase. It was like a sentence and a half. And they, whatever they said, the next day we went to go see Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks speaking to Abraham she opened with the exact same phrase the guides the night before ended with. Wow. And we're sitting there going, what? What? You guys, even though I've been doing this for 50 years, I've never, it always amazed me. I've never stopped being amazed because of the energy. When you start channeling at a level 
of talking to your higher self and your spirit guides and then just talking to source itself, whatever name you want to give it. It's like we can, it's not like you're, you're end all because we're always evolving. We can always get better. We can, everything is always growing. You never end. And that's it. So even with even with Esther Hicks, you know, she's human. She's learning the information, but she's just the messenger as we are. When we're bringing this information through. We're just the messengers. But it's amazing how pure the information comes. And when you're channeling and I've heard Esther talk about this before. It's this pure, as I said earlier, you guys, it's this pure love. That just flows through and that allows you to check out where you can allow the energy to come through. Another really good channeler, which I, I think the world of Esther Hicks, and I followed her, I've been following her since the 80s when she started, was I mentioned earlier, Daryl Anka, who channels Bashar. I've seen him many times in person. I've even met with him personally because I was talking about channeling. And he is the brilliant man when, when he's not channeling. He's also brilliant as Bashar. If you like the extraterrestrial twist to it, um, you should check that out as well. So yeah, the good, good information, good stuff, guys. All right, let's continue on with audience questions here. Let's go to Grandizer. There's a couple questions within here. Uh, question is, well, question one. Welcome, Karen. So oh. uh, number two, for those that have had negative experience with the board, have they contacted you how to get rid of their board? How did you get rid of it? Thank you for taking my questions. Yeah, thank you, Grandizer. Hi, thank you for welcoming me. That's really sweet of you. All right, so people do have negative experiences with the board, um, and it's because, again, it's not knowing what they're doing. It's a new tool. Um, expecting, like we mentioned Tulpas earlier, maybe expecting that outcome, and maybe not expecting it, but just tapping into some kind of errand, or as I call them, um, going through the dead zone. And I talk all about that on my YouTube channel, free videos there, 220, 30 videos, I don't know how many I have, of interviews and also talking about the Ouija board. And on my website too, so you can get more information on that. So it does happen. So people say, how do I get rid of a board? Well, okay, you're talking to a collector. Do not burn it. Let me take it off your hands. Listen, if you have a board to give away, go to TBHS, Talking Board Historical Society, tbhs.org. We have an address. Mail it to us. We'll take those boards off your hands. We actually reclaim them, reuse them. We put them in our museums and actually tell the story that comes with it. Because, you know, we're not here to say whether a story's right or wrong. It's just these are people's experiences. People have positive and negative experiences. That's in life, right? So I would expect that on the board too. So so the, the follow through that question is don't get rid of it. Uh, you, If you feel like you've got to get rid of it, then gift it to somebody. Reach out to me. I'll be happy to take it off your hands and help you get it to the TBHS or I'll take it myself. There's a lot of people and you can sell it. Now, let's say you, you just... Um, you got this board and you feel like something negative is happening. Well, I feel like, as I mentioned earlier, our thoughts are very powerful things. In fact, so powerful we don't understand. They say our thoughts can make us sick. They can affect us emotionally. And they've done studies on this. Just by thinking something can create that pathway, that neural pathway in your body, that all of a sudden you start becoming what you're thinking. It's like the power of positive thinking or the law of attraction manifesting, or also creating havoc in, in your system because you're, you're, you're worrying or you're depressed. Thoughts create things. So if you've had a bad experience with the board, you can shift that by shifting your thoughts and maybe not using this tool. Maybe it's not for you, or maybe learning more about it, how to use it to have positive experiences. So I just wanted to add that to it because that kind of goes along with the negative experience of the board. 
All right. Thanks for the question. Let's continue on. Part Dew is asking, how is it different from tarot? Tarot requires <laughs> less arm strength. <laughs> Part do. That's right. Okay. So you're right. When you use the board, I teach this. People go like this and they put their shoulders up high and they're moving the planchette and I go, drop your shoulders. Four juicy Raising Cane's chicken fingers, Texas toast, fries, coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. One love, ready to go. Raising Cane's chicken fingers, one love. <laughs> Raising Cane's wants to help you get extra saucy this Mardi Gras. Stop by Cane's and pick up a doubloon for just $1. Then present the doubloon on all of your visits through April 6th for a free cane sauce with any purchase. Let the sauce and good times roll. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> Doubloons available to purchase 123.23 through 221.23. Redemption of offer valid 123.23 to 4623 at participating restaurants while supplies last. Limit one extra cane sauce with purchase per day. I teach this. I literally teach this technique of how to work your arms from back here. You work more with your, where your wings are, your shoulder blades, and you learn to move. You drop your shoulders and you learn to move from that area. And I teach this because people will get tight and get sore, neck aches, arm aches. You're absolutely right. The the trials and tribulations of using this tool. <laughs> it's like you swing a golf golf uh, um, club for so long, you start getting sore in your body. Same with this. There's a lot of movement with that. And I, if you come to my classes, I can teach you how to do that. But it is different from the tarot in that the tarot, you're really, it's not moving and spelling out stuff. You're actually reading the cards. But it's similar in that it can be divination. You can get a message. These give messages away. These give messages to you, but you've got to read them yourself, which is very similar to the board. It, the cards don't do anything. It's how you work with the cards. The board does nothing. It's how I work with the board. You get up people who sit at the board. It won't work at all. And you have me at the board, that same board, it's going to work because every board works. So you can get messages from both. Um, the, to me, in my experience of using all these different tools, some of the easiest tools to use would be number one, the pendulum, because it's very simple. Yes, no, uh, circling around binary, which is pretty simple. Tarot takes a while to learn, but if you start working with Oracle cards and do a one, one draw a day, you can start learning how to work with the energies and how to get messages back. It's really learning to interpret the cards to get the messages that seem right. And so that, that those are, that's another tool to use. The Ouija board to me is super easy. It was very easy for me. Super easy in the fact once you get it to work, you will get spellings. Now, the trick is, can you get messages that are going to be legit? And as I mentioned earlier, you, you might get more legit out of tarot cards even more than you will out of pendulum in the, in the beginning. And especially out of the Ouija board because you've got to build your energy up to connect with that energy that's going to be uh, forthright and, and full of integrity and wanting to give great information that you can verify, that takes time to get there. But if you're serious about this to tool, you can get there and get messages even more clear than you can with the Tarot. Because it'll be not you, it'll be coming directly through, and it'll be like things I wouldn't even thought of. By the way, when I write my books, as I did with Jack's book, it's channeled. A lot of information in my books is channeled unless I'm telling a story about a connection I made. But I bring forth a lot of the messages in the books because I, I write everything down. I have copious notes and now I also have audio recordings of them. And so you get the gist uh, verbatim of what happened in the sessions. Mothwing, as we got about two and a half minutes, how do you close out a session? Well, first of all, I love that name, Mothwing. 
<laughs> it's great. Okay, so um, closing out session. So, so for me, and I'm, I'm going to tell you what I do, and then I'll say what everybody else says. It's because uh, I, the way I work with the energies. When when I work with the guides, you, you watch me, and you can see some of my my live shows on YouTube. Just look it up. We're writing our using. We're doing people's questions. My planchette will go around like this, and it stops here. That's how I close the session. But I'll tell you what I say is I say, okay, thank you very much. Goodbye. It's a little bit more than that. It's it's being kind and courteous, finding a way to end it with etiquette that works for the humans in the room, but also works with respect for the energies I'm connecting. So if I say thank you very much for your time and goodbye, that's how I close it out. Other people tell me, for them, their plan check goes to goodbye. But everybody I talk to uses this tool, usually, and they use it in a way that they're getting really good messages. They tend to use it where they're going to be courteous. They're going to be um, thorough with their session and say, we opened it, and now we're going to end it and close it. It's not like you're so much closing a portal, although I've used that terminology before. It's like you're ending the session of working in the unseen dimensions and welcoming in all these energies. And now you're saying, we're done, goodbye. It's kind of like closing it down, shutting the door, and then walking away. Uh, I, I find that's important because we're here to be humans and not to live always the spiritual life. Then if you're too, doing the spiritual shit all the time, oops, boop, <laughs> beep. If you do this all the time, then it's like you're not being grounded. We're, as the guys always tell me, they say, you're here to be human first. Enjoy exploring the unseen dimensions, but know that you're here to be human and do what humans do. So I find it's great to take a break from the spiritual pursuits and have, you know, the follies of life happen. <laughs> all right. We got 45 seconds before we got to go to break and say goodnight to you for the night. Tell everybody where they can find your website, your books, your YouTube channel. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you all for joining here and asking your great questions. I wish I could be in the section. I love I love the chat, as Dave said. I like to be in there chatting with you guys. And sometimes I join the show and chat. Dave, thank you again so much for having me. And uh, you can find me on social media, Karen A. Dahlman, Instagram, Facebook, uh, website, KarenADahlman.com. If you want to know when my cat's book is going to be released, it's coming out in March. But if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll be the first to hear about it or sign up at my YouTube channel. I'll be telling everybody there second where it's coming. Um, I hope to see you maybe around the country, the world. I travel world, worldwide to do my talks and my teachings. As I said, I'll be in Sedona uh, this March, March 17th to the 19th. And I'll be at Michigan Paracon the end of August up in Sault Ste. Marie again, which is a great place to be. So if you come on out, say hello. Say you met me from Dave's show. And I hope to see you guys again soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Karen A. Dahlman. Dot com Thank is our you. website. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then Super Duke will be here for the Cryptid Report, a very busy hour three of Spaced Out Radio next. Stay tuned. Great job, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. It was great being here. We Appreciate it, Dave. Thanks for the opportunity. We love it. We love it. Well, I really hope you can make it to Vegas for us, hon. It's on my calendar. My, the only thing that's going to hold me back is I'm really trying to avoid any travels right now. been traveling too much, and I got to sit down with the second book. It's due to my editor here really soon, and that's, that's the only thing that's holding me back. I hear you, dear. Well, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Bye, everybody. Good night. See you, my friend. Bye-bye. Renee Dahlman, everybody. Uh, Super Duke will be here momentarily. I'm just going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
right, everyone. We got about 90 seconds to go here. Oh, hey, Clam. How's it going? <laughs> Random guy. All right. Uh, Super Duke's going to be up soon. I'm excited. Can't wait to see uh, many of you at UFOCon 2023 in San Francisco, California. Go to UFOCon2023.com. Former CIA agent uh, John Rodriguez is going to be there. Science Bob is going to be there. John Yost, who will be a guest this week, is going to be there. Melinda Leslie. Many, many others have talked Great lineup. Go to UFOCon2023.com to get your tickets today. And then we want to see all of you at our Las Vegas party, May 19th through 21st. It's not just the Vegas fan party. You know what else we're going to be celebrating? Davey's 50th birthday. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to celebrate my birthday. I want to celebrate it with all of you. You can get your tickets at info at spacedoutradio.com. Check the ticker below. It's 60 bucks per person or 100 per person if you want a VIP package, which comes with a swag bag as well as a special meet and greet. We'll see you all there. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Abydus. Abydus is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. I'm not sure if this would be considered a paranormal story per se, but nothing else really makes sense. Let me try to explain this a bit better. My family goes camping every chance we get. The place we'd always go had no natural predators, at least nothing more significant than a fox. My dad chose this spot so we kids, me and my two siblings, could frolic through the woods without much of a worry. This particular trip was during a long weekend in May. 
There was still a considerable amount of snow, so my dad brought us ATVs and some sleds. It was the day after we had arrived, and my dad wanted to go on a little trip down the road we came up. I asked to come, and he allowed me to. So we both hopped on his quad and set out on our little trip. I just remembered that we had deer around the area, nothing crazy, but the odd one would wander through our campsite every so often. You could tell they had no natural predators in the area since they didn't run away when there were humans around. My siblings and I would pretty often get close to them, and my parents would always yell at us to stay away because they are rather dangerous. I mean, look up the statistics of how many deer kill people a year, not even including car crashes. It's actually kind of insane. Anyway, my dad and I were a few miles from the campsite when we rounded a corner and came across one of the most gruesome sights I have ever seen. On the side of the road were the pieces of a deer. At least I think it was a deer. There was blood everywhere. Worse still, there was still steam coming from the remains, which meant this was a really recent kill. My dad is usually a pretty calm guy. Not much can rattle him. But I could tell that this freaked him the hell out. He was in the process of turning us around when this, well, I don't know what this thing was. It was like a screech that came from the forest at first. It was so loud that we both cringed and covered our ears. I remember searching the forest for the source with my eyes, but my dad was in the process of hauling ass down the way we had came. It could have been a trick of the light, or because I was freaked out, or maybe how I saw things, but I could have sworn I saw something running alongside us. But only for just a second or two. I know I sound crazy, but the thing looked like a large dog before it just vanished into the trees. My dad raced back to camp and we were all packed up and headed to a different location by the end of the day. We never did go back to that campsite after this encounter. I did ask my dad about it a couple of years ago and he just said it was because the new camp was better than the old. Better trails and whatnot, he said, but I think he's full of crap. I think whatever we encountered that day scared the hell out of him and I believe that whatever I saw he did too but I, for one, am thankful we never went back. I'm not sure if I could sleep at night after what I saw. It still haunts me to this day in my dreams. Last night, my friend and I decided we wanted to go into the woods to get a little scared. So we brought flashlights and a knife and we went down to the creek. We turned the flashlights off to get the best experience and stood there. We overwhelmingly felt like we were being watched, so we left the woods shortly after, freaked out. I guess you could say we got exactly what we wanted. Later that night, we were hanging out on a small street near our houses and we wanted to get scared again, so we went to a dark corner of the road where it was just suspicious houses and just the entrance of the woods. We both felt that same feeling from earlier that we were being watched, so we looked down into the woods, and roughly, maybe 50 to 75 yards away, we noticed a specific part was pitch black while you could make out the rest of the woods. The feeling started to get more ominous, and we began to feel surrounded and heard walking in the woods and leaves. We began to hear crunching of twigs and something sounded like it was coming faster towards us. Finally, the silence was too loud and without speaking to each other, we both had an overwhelming feeling of dread and we sprinted back up the street towards our house. But while I was running, I turned to look back, and for a split second, I swear I saw a girl in a white gown in the dark spot I had mentioned earlier. She didn't have a body. The only thing I could make out was her upper torso, but it looked like it was a gray aura outlining where a body should be. We ran back to my house and couldn't even describe what we were feeling, but I'm now staying out of the woods for quite some time, especially after dark. 
And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller out here as he opens up hour number three of Spaced Out Radio each and every Monday through Friday night. And, of course, if you want more stories just like that, all you got to do is head over to YouTube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads and you hit subscribe on his channel and you're right there. You're right there and having a lot of fun listening to some creative spooky stories from the swamp to the forests. It's time for us to bring in Super Duke at World Bigfoot Radio and the Cryptid Report. That's why we love the Super Duke around here. How you been doing, buddy? It's uh, good to have you back. Hey, happy VD to everybody out there in the audience today. I hope you're all having a wonderful holiday and celebrating with your loved ones, significant other, whoever the heck you got around that you can throw candy at and maybe flowers. And don't forget, it's all a scam. There's this evil cryptid known as Cherub, and he started this whole Valentine's Day scam to shame all the men into copping up tons of money and because he owns all the candy stores and the flower shops. So anyway, there's a conspiracy theory for the day. You're not going to believe it. You are not going to believe this. I went and decided I was going to get some flowers for my significant other. And I couldn't believe that I only paid $21 for a dozen roses. Back where I used to live, it was like a hundred bucks on a day like today. It's more, more than that down here right now. Twenty bucks—that's ridiculous. You'd spend that much to get one rose down. I got—I got a great, great deal. Great deal. I, I patted myself right. on the back for that. Well, don't let everybody know. Cherub will have his mobsters swarm in there and take the place over. For no, next I, year. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so you sick of all this UFO talk yet? I mean, they're flying over your place. They're flying over mine. You know, sick of it yet? Yeah, I saw, I saw a great meme of uh, two days after we uh, started complaining about it because the Billings News actually got the video of the thing floating over Montana for two days and leaked it, and then everybody had a conniption attack. But, yeah, somebody put up a great uh, meme of... Four juicy Raisin Cane's chicken fingers, garlicky buttered Texas toast, crispy crinkle-cut fries fresh coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. We take pride in making the best chicken finger meals. One love, ready to go. And you can taste it in every bite. Raisin Cane's chicken fingers. One love. Snoopy on his flying doghouse flying up toward the uh, balloon saying Snoopy's going to save us all. Because he sure as hell can't rely on the government to do it, apparently. Random guy says, Super Duke looks like Dave's brother who gets high and lives in a treehouse. You pretty much do when you're out looking for Bigfoot, man. Yeah, Bigfoot don't like short hair people. You're suspicious. You don't look like them. <laughs> I hear you. I they hear don't get haircuts. <laughs> and the beard helps, too. You know, all those big males, they all got beards and stuff, too. They're heavily impressed by the beard. Well, the longer the beard, the more impressive. 
put it this way, knowing what random guy looks like, he'd make a beautiful Sasquatch wife. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Stay out of the woods. They might decide they like you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, so what do you got yeah, for us tonight, my interesting friend? Interesting stuff going on. Uh, for one thing, anybody that is really actually interested in the actual science behind Bigfoot wants to go check out the show that I turned out on Sunday, which is a part one, part two is coming out this Sunday with rich soul, the main man from the Knox gigas project. Um, and he's got a website, go check it out. It's awesome. This guy does the hardcore scientific research. He's communication with the, uh, the high, high powered, uh, researchers that are actual scientists over in the Soviet union and other parts of the world too. And other scientists outside of that field. And he talked about, you know, for this was kind of a, uh, if you're taking college Bigfoot classes, this would be second year college Bigfoot class because this is a lot of people know they've heard about Bigfoot and they may have heard that you can get eye shine from Bigfoot, that if you shine a flashlight at it, you'll get eye shine back again. Yeah, very well known and well documented. But what we're talking about in this one is eye glow which does not rely on any background light whatsoever. And as Rich mentions at one point, he saw one standing underneath a, a pine tree, and the glow from its eyes was lighting up the bottom of the pine branch in front of it. So, And there's no background light. There's nothing for it to be reflecting off of its eyes onto something. And because they do lots of night patrols, they've seen this over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And so he started actually working on what kind of a, what cut, what could actually explain this? And it turned out there's another physicist that was involved in uh, parallel research, and he got a chance to uh, look at that and talk to him about it. And, uh, again, it seems to match up really close. So the um, actual science could be, you know, but uh, it seems pretty good. Uh, but find, behind the Bigfoot eye glow, and, again, a lot of people don't even know that what Bigfoot can make their eyes glow. Yes. I've never even seen it because I don't go out and do night research on them. I stay in camp where it's safe. And like I told Rich on the show, the reason for that is because I don't want to, you know, wander into a grizzly in the dark and get mugged by furious grizzly who's out getting a midnight snack. You know, we got thousand pound grizzlies wandering around here. Don't want to walk into one of them in the dark. So no, I'll just stay in camp. <laughs> They're in Nebraska. They can wander around in the dark all they want. There's nothing there that's going to hurt them except for Bigfoot. So that's really cool. Everybody should check it out. Now, in other news, uh, Kelly Shaw read a bunch of reports from his blog spot last time I was on here, and he once again managed to pull off a coup in that somebody in the uh, somebody got a video, I think I mentioned this last time I was on, of a apparent Sasquatch walking along a ridgeline at the top of a mountain, and they zoomed way in on it. They were about a mile and a half away from it. But they GPS the start and end spots on the video and determined that it covered about three-quarters of a mile in about a minute. And it was going along an incredibly steep slope with 90 inches of snow on it while it was doing it. So uh, Kelly put this out on his channel uh, once the video came out and went over there to try and get anywhere near it but this time of the year it's almost impossible he said he'd actually been up on top of that ridge where there's like big rebroadcast towers and stuff before and he was up there during the summer and he said that made him uh kind of freaked out just being up there during the summer because it's so difficult to get there and so steep and no way in hell would he try and climb up there during the winter 
And this is a guy who actually won an award for climbing up a mountain and getting Bigfoot tracks where nobody else would go up there. So if he says no, it's definitely a no. Well, as it turns out, he didn't need to climb up there this time because one of his viewers saw the video. They happened to live not very far from there in the Wasatch Mountains. And they got in their helicopter and flew over it and got video of the track line. Oh, nice. <laughs> so how freaking cool is that? He managed to get the video of the track line this time without risking his life and climbing up the mountain to do it. <laughs> so I was giving him hell saying, wow, you got your own Air Force now. Wow, you, you're really uh, getting moving forward in the world, or <laughs> Kelly. Get your own Air Force to go do recon for you. That's pretty cool. But yeah, the guy got good video of it and everything too. So again, you can check that out at Rocky Mountain Sasquatch Organization on YouTube and all the various websites and his uh, web, all that kind of stuff. Uh, also, a good reminder for people that um, may be new to the Bigfoot community, one of the things that happens besides hoaxing is rehoaxing, which is to say about every two or three years there's a new crop of people that are getting interested in the bigfoot subject and are just trying to get up to speed on it and then all the um low lives out there take advantage of them by regurgitating old photos long since proven fake and yesterday was a good example i'm looking at my youtube feed and it's got all the little shorty videos and of course most of those are regurgitated from tiktok and this one was and it says, is this the clearest picture of a Bigfoot ever? So I look at it. Okay. I go to the comment section. Everybody's in there drooling over it. Oh, my God. This is amazing. This is absolutely 100% for sure. A real Bigfoot. You can see the conical head, and it's clearly in focus and everything. And I said, well, hate to ruin the party, guys, but that thing is a fake. If you don't want to believe me, go to Google Images. Look up Mark Anders, who has been putting this fraud over on people for about 10 years and has been busted repeatedly. And actually what happened with Mark is that he, there was a uh, Mexican Bigfoot movie. And when the movie was done, they had the suit that they didn't need and he bought the suit. And so he's been going around making fake Bigfoot pictures for years. And uh, one of the reasons you can tell <laughs> is because the same Bigfoot appears in all different pictures in all different places. It's always the same Bigfoot. <clears throat> and also we know where he got the suit. So yeah. And people just keep falling for it. Is this the clearest picture ever? And the other thing I reminded my comments to them is that one of the tells that a picture or a video of Bigfoot is probably fake is if it's nice and clear and in focus. Because you can't do that with a real Bigfoot. The only time anybody's come close to doing that is Patterson and Gimlin with actual celluloid film. You try and do that with a digital camera, it just distorts it. I don't know what it is, but... Everybody that that's in the Bigfoot field will tell you the same thing. They could stand right out in the open. They'll still look blurry and fuzzy. You're breaking hearts out there, Super Duke. You're breaking hearts. Wah. <laughs> yeah, don't fall for frauds. Do your research. When you see some really awesome picture, it's not blowing up every place else. It's Somebody's regurgitating it. And it really irritates me because, you know, I've been around watching this stuff for over a decade now and, Every two or three years, the same thing happens over again. A whole bunch of new people come along interested in the subject, and the fraudsters put out all the fake garbage over and over again and take them in. And, you know, of course, this also makes them, as they should be suspicious, but it makes them think everything's fake, right. which it isn't. Right. Right. Well, 
I mean, you know what? There's so much hoaxing going on in every field right now. I mean, should we really be surprised by this? Well, no. I mean, anywhere where they figure they can make a buck on it, of course they're going to try and hoax it because there's people with generally low morals and you know no common sense, and they just want to make a buck. And then there's the other ones that actually, for some reason, think it's funny to hoax people, you know. Whatever. <laughs> We're going to bust you. We always do. You're not going to get away with it. What is the best hoax you've ever seen? No. Uh, I don't know. There's been some pretty convincing ones. The best one this last year was a uh, supposed Bigfoot filmed from a boat on an island walking through a little opening from one side of the tree line to another. Um, which, well, if that was legit... Why did the Bigfoot choose the exact moment when the really loud boat, which is, you know, maybe 100 feet offshore, had turned around and was aimed right toward shore, still with the engine running, making a racket, and the Bigfoot was clearly deaf. Or maybe it was drunk, too. <laughs> but it walked right from the one tree line up through this little clearing on the edge of the beach to the other tree line, a distance of maybe 40, 50 feet. And the other thing is that it absolutely did not have to do so. There was intervening woods in between. It could have just went through and never been spotted. And also the guy that filmed this never went back to uh, film the location again so that we could get a reference for height of the subject in the monkey suit. And there's some pretty big channels that think that it's actually legit. And me and Blaine Tyler both called BS on that one. Interesting. Because Very of behavior, because we've exer- observed their behavior at close range over and over again, and we know what they're not going to do. And there's some big no-nos they wouldn't do that in that little piece of video. Right. Right. So uh, for the public who may not know, how do you tell a real video from a fake one? Well, like again, like I said, if it's super clear and in foc- focus, that's probably a tell right there that it isn't real. Second thing is you can look at the uh, the actual mechanics. If it's moving, if it's just sitting in one place, it's almost impossible to tell. It could just be somebody in a costume sitting in one place. Then you have to know a lot about how their anatomy is, which would take a lot longer to explain than what we got available here time-wise. But if they're actually moving, you can tell by the locomotion, and this has been... Um, captured and dissected in excruciating detail by people like Dr. Jeff Meldrum and Grover Krantz and other people over the last 50 years that have been looking at that Patterson-Gimlin video and noticing very peculiar things about the way it walks, very unhuman things. I tried to learn how to walk like that, and unless I'm going up at least a moderate slope, it's impossible. You can't, as a human, you can't lean forward and walk like that without falling on your face. It just doesn't work. Going up a hill, you can get away with it. <laughs> That's when I practice doing it. But on the flats, it's pretty much impossible. Going downhill, no way. Ain't going to work. You fall on your face. So obviously there's a mechanical thing. And if you study that enough, that's to tell if it's actually walking around. You can look at how it's doing it. If the video or pictured subject leaves a track line, again, the track line will tell you a lot about if it's a person or a Bigfoot. And then the third thing is the actual way the subject is built. 
which is that humans have, and Thinker Thunker is one of the first people I've ever seen that pointed this out, so credit to him for this one, because he's done so much analysis on all these different videos that he started noticing that the ones that were very likely to be Sasquatch all uniformly had arms that were the same length as their legs. Humans do not have that. Our arms are 17% shorter than our leg length. So anytime you see a subject purported to be a Sasquatch, you can just put a little ruler on the thing on the screen and look at it and go, is the leg the same length as the arm is? And if it is, probably a Sasquatch. Because our joints are in a different place than theirs would be. Plus, their their legs, um, they tend to have um, shorter shins and longer thighs in general. Not always, but that's usually a, another way that you can tell. And then, uh, of course, the upper arm, they've got a lot longer forearm. Uh, than we do right so those are all ways you can tell if it's a fake picture if it's something probably real sounds good sounds good duke i'm gonna get you to hold on right there because i know when we return you're gonna bring us into story time and allow us to enjoy some strange spooky stories from around north america that's what you're good at that's what we love i love your story time duke i do i only get the real ones that's the way you are. Super Duke. They're scary enough. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio is here. And he will be back with the Cryptid Report. Super Duke taking us right to the top of the hour on the mighty SOR. Stay tuned. The final half hour of Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. All right, we're clear, buddy. Right on. So I hope that explains to everybody how you can tell the difference. <laughs> well, we'll soon see. I hate hoaxers. Oh, God, I hate <clears throat> hoaxers. We'll soon see. Fortunately, though, with the uh, the ridiculous amount of Bigfoot pictures and video and stuff that are out there, there's really not that many of them that you can call out as a hoax. There's a lot of legit stuff getting out there. It's just usually the quality isn't high enough that anybody pays any attention to it. So anyway, let me go have Sig real quick. Be right All back. right. I'll hang out with the people. They're good people. Stephen Finnegan, thank you for the amazing uh, super chat. And Danielle Diva, thank you for that amazing uh, super chat. I appreciate you. How you feeling, Danielle? Feeling any better? Mm-hmm. Who else do we got here? Ryan Smithhurst, how are you? And who else is coming in late? Well, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, people. <clears throat> mm-hmm. We're going to bring random guy to British Columbia and show him some uh, Sasquatch prints. And use him as bait for that big 10-footer that we saw last year. Heineke in Seattle. 
I believe Danielle is originally from, I want to say Romania. I think Romania. Yes. Yes. I believe uh, she's part of uh, Vlad the Impaler's crew over there. Do 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 do. Come together with Super Duke. Super Duke, Super Duke. The cryptid report with Super Duke. <clears throat> I see Danielle's in chat. Thanks for making it, dear. Hope you're feeling mm-hmm. better. Yeah, Vlad is her ancestor. Yes, true, Petty. Super Duke. Super Duke. Danielle was explaining to me today that apparently there was a secret invasion of Alberta by Romania, and they made it one of their uh, provinces now or something. I don't think I got that right. Uh, that's because they're, the Romanians are taking over for the Ukrainians. Oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it figures they had to fight off Turkey for hundreds of years. They're probably sneaky and powerful enough to just invade and take it over easily. Oh, of course. Even though they're much smaller, they got a much bigger population. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> hey, John, in chat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fun, fun, fun. We got... Uh, a Sasquatch, uh, br- or, excuse me, Yeti breakdown, and then we got a bunch of Bigfoot sightings from my buddy Pegleg Kenny over at Group Investigating Mystery Primates, GIMP for short. Yes, it is a play on words. He's a double amputee, and he is the guy that founded it. So, yeah, go give him a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> the name of the group is GIMP, Group Investigating Mystery Primates, and his nickname is Pegleg Kenny or Captain Pegleg. <laughs> that is that is so not right today. That is so not right today. All right. Yeah, I know he's hilarious. <laughs> he's got he's got a picture up on one of his groups of a guy in a wheelchair with tracks on it going through the snow. Nice. He's equipped with a Vulcan cannon on one side of it. And he says that's his research chair. Three seconds here, bud. Hi, Jan. How are you? Here we go. Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. We're about to turn up the woo on you. Reminder to all of you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. 
Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news, wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we reintroduce the man, the myth, and the cryptid legend, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio and the Cryptid Report. We love having Duke around here. Super Duke, how you been doing, buddy? Doing great. Love to everybody. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day. Getting back to the subject that we left off on before the break, we were talking about Sasquatch locomotion. And this has been observed all the way back to actually the Shifton photo when they found the Yeti track in Himalayas. And they observed the track line as being peculiarly uh, straight. It does, they don't sidestep like we do. We straddle step like you're walking up the rungs of a ladder. And they tightrope walk. And that's another way to tell if it's an authentic Sasquatch track line or not. Plus the step length in between the individual steps. If it's somebody with, you know, fake feet on, (laughs) it's going to be real difficult to make these steps that are like 60, 70 inches in between, especially if you're going up a slope. Um, The other thing is the description by the Himalayans themselves has always been that you can, if you see one, it's got this kind of peculiar twisting walk to it which if you look at the locomotion of how they're doing this and you try and do it yourself, the only way you can like comfortably do this is to actually throw your legs around in a semicircle and bring them down in front of you, which is what they're talking about with this peculiar twisting walk. So anyway, the first thing we got is a quick breakdown on the Yeti by Linda Wood. Who, big shout out to her for helping me with all of the uh, breakdown on clip 405, which I'm nearly ready to have finished and put out here after a couple months of having a whole bunch of really expert picture analysis and video analysis people looking at it to find everything in it. Um, so big shout out to her. She sent me 120 images from it. <laughs> oh, God. So it's going to take a while to go through. But anyway, here we are on the Yeti. There are three types of Yeti identified by Himalayan people and by cryptozoologists. These are also mentioned in Ivan T. Sanderson's book, uh, The Abominable Snowman Legend Come to Life, which was released in the year I was born, 1961. In build and height, they are large. And the large one is called the Zute. The medium one is the Mete. And the little one is the Te They also live at different elevations. Now, the one we're chiefly interested in that... Uh, lives at the high elevation that Shipton apparently got the track of, is the Zute, which are huge, according to them. Okay, back in 1961, again, the year I was born, Nepal declared that the Yeti exists and even adopted it as the Nepalese national symbol. So there's another country that recognizes them as an actual creature. Uh, Zute, which is also Nielmo, an abominable snowman, uh, are cited in Himalayas, Tibet, Nepal, China, and I would also add India to that list. The sightings of Zutet was first documented in the Himalayan range in the year 1937. Witness stated there was a small expedition group that came across an assembly of very huge creatures, each having an estimated height of 20 feet. They formed a circle and were chanting. 
One of the Yeti-like creatures was enthusiastically beating a hollow trunk of a tree, like a man hitting his drums to create some music. The others continued their chants, but their faces seemed to be filled with a sad expression. With this sight, the adventurers thought that the creatures acted like typical persons and that they should not be feared. But fear set in due to the creature's massive build, and they decided to walk away stealthily to avoid conflict. Tom Slick, the founder of Southwest Research Institute, a famous Texas oil man whose plane mysteriously blew up over Montana, his most important contribution to the subject of the Zootet was that most of the observations by Sherpas were of creatures of about the standard human size, or rather smaller. It was only when witnesses were speaking of higher regions that they referred to the Yetis as giants in Tibet or the northernmost parts of Sikkim and Nepal. The Zute are real giants from 7 to 20 feet with enormous conical heads. It weighs up to blah, blah. They're saying 1,200 pounds, but if it's 20 feet, it's way more than that. And leaves behind long four-toed tracks buried in the mud or snow. They wander about in parties among the eternal snows, about 13,000 feet or higher, and are carnivorous and will even eat humans. It often gets the blame for the mutilating deaths of cattle, wherein only the cattle's tongue is removed and no other part of the animal has been touched or taken. The real giant shaggy-coated and able to stay for long periods in the ruggedest country, dangerous, a stock raider, but possessed of an almost exactly human-type foot. They follow the herds of yak, taking the carcass up to high in elevation for the specific purpose of using the natural refrigeration there. They haul animal carcasses up above the snow line and they can eat it year-round. They're not confined to such altitudes, only that they have an adaptation that works in that particular area, which me and Rich actually covered on uh, part one of last Sunday's show. So for more reference on that, Yeti DNA, Denisovans, there you go. They also said to descend to the lower levels on occasion. And again, thanks to Linda Wood for doing this uh, quick little dissertation on the Yeti. Very accurate. Really appreciate it. And now I'm going to be scrolling around here to get to these other stories. So be patient. No problem. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio hanging on out with us tonight with the Cryptid Report. Some of these are... Short and sweet, and some of them are a little bit longer. On November 7th, 1964, a group of siblings were playing in the yard with their mother and spotted a black upright figure standing in the distance in a harvested cornfield. The children started yelling at it, and the dogs went chasing after it. The mother also saw the figure and was frightened, telling the children to go inside the house. A day or two later, the children found weird footprints leading to an abandoned hog pen on their property. They found one large footprint that was 16 to 18 inches long and had a clump of hair stuck to a window in the hog pen. The family kept the hair and sent it to a university for analysis, but never heard back, of course. The mother also reported waking up to strange sounds in the night, including chain sounds, door handles, shaking, footsteps on the porch, and deep growling noises. The family believed they had a Bigfoot encounter. This happened in Villagrove, Illinois, again, November 7, 1964. And keep in mind, that was several years before the Patterson-Gimlin film happened, and there was any awareness that Bigfoot was a thing, especially over in Illinois. 
So that's a little peculiar in and of itself right there. So then we come to 1984. A group of four young boys were on a family hunting trip to Michigan's Roscommon County. They were walking on a dirt road a quarter mile from their camp when they saw a large dark figure standing in the middle of the road staring at them. The figure was described as tall, broad across the chest, with longer arms than a human, and no visible features. The group felt scared and ran back to camp, where they later discussed the sighting and couldn't explain what they saw. The witness returned to the area several times over the years and reported hearing strange screams at night, as well as finding large footprints in the area. This area has since been logged and unfortunately burned in a forest fire. So you're probably not going to find anything over there anymore. Nope. But this this one here is uh, from the um, Let's Have a Giant uh, Toxic Trainwreck State of Ohio. Uh, and Mount Vernon teenagers say there's a monster at a pump house. And this story is from a newspaper clipping by Steve Chorus. And he says, is there a pump house monster roaming through the wooded areas around the Casey Fork Creek? A group of Mount Vernon teenagers say there is, and they say they saw the monster while they were camping out at the pump house Wednesday night. Six teenagers, along with a 24-year-old Rockford man who went along on the campout, came to the Register News office yesterday to report the sighting of a large creature. Here is how they describe the incident. Two of the youths, Danny Harriman, 16, and Carrie Williams, 14, were walking on the Tule Road to Harriman's house, 1023 Tule Road, to get supplies at about 11.15 p.m. Suddenly, a figure emerged from the right side of the road and stood directly in front of the two, about 12 feet from them. Oh, my God. Harriman said it was about 6 foot 2 inches tall with beady eyes, quote-unquote, and a flat nose. From the chest up, the creature was bald, with heavy hair from the chest down. The creature made a low snorting noise, then ran on two feet up the road. At that moment, a car approached on Toily Road. When the lights of the car fell on the creature, the car, a blue Oldsmobile, sped away from the scene, tires squealing and gravel flying. The rest of the group could see the figure from their campsite. Quote, we are scared to death, unquote, Harriman said, and the others nodded their agreement. But after about half an hour, curiosity took over, and the seven went looking for the monster. As they moved up the road, their dog explored the fields nearby. The dog burst out of the field and came running back to the group at top speed. Without looking where he was going, the dog slammed into one of the youth's bicycles. They kept looking but found only trampled grass in the fields when they searched. The youths were the first to talk publicly of the pump house monster, but they were they said they were not the first to have seen it a month ago they said two of their friends were camping at a railroad trestle north of the pump house but came home early claiming they had spotted a monster we didn't believe them one of the youth said but last night i believed them you never want to ever turn down somebody who says that they've spotted a monster Oh, man, you get bad karma from that. I've had this happen to me two times now where somebody was telling me an improbable tale about a cryptid. And I kind of went, not right, you know, like when they were there because I don't want to insult them. But after the fact, I poo-pooed it and said, yeah, there's there's no such thing. Yeah, well, guess what? I got to see both of them. So don't ever say that. Bingo. And when somebody tried to tell me that, uh, you know, Godzilla might be real, I just went, yep, could be real. 
Absolutely. Not Abs- tempting fate on this one. Why do you think I believe Megalodon is still out there? <laughs> well, there's actually some evidence for that. But <clears throat> anyway, in December 2012, a woman in Illinois reported smelling a strong stench and seeing a large brown hunchback creature from her bedroom window. She was certain this was not her husband. <laughs> Sorry. She attempted to take a picture of the creature, but it looked at her before she could. The woman went to wake her mother and retrieve a gun, and the creature, as well as another one, knocked down a partially cut down tree and went back into the woods. The woman later found tracks and signs of the creature eating walnuts. The woman also reported hearing a loud growling noise that shook her house. The investigator confirmed the details of the report and saw tracks and the fallen tree. The creature was described as standing taller than nine feet and having a solid brown hair coloring all over it with an overpowering smell. And in October of 2002, we had an individual who was driving home from work on Highway 138 East in Douglas County, Oregon, approximately 15 miles east of Roseburg and four miles west of Glide. As they rounded a curve in the road, they saw what they initially thought was a deer crossing the road. Upon approaching, (laughs) they noticed a figure standing just off the road by a fence, and one hand was on the fence post, and it turned and watched them as they drove by. The individual stopped and got out of the truck to check if the person needed help, but upon approaching, they heard a terrifying guttural scream, and they ran back to their truck. The next day, they returned to the spot and found their flashlight that they had dropped, but no footprints or evidence of hair. They estimated the figure to be at least seven feet tall, and noticed it had long hair all over its body. They believed it was not human, also due to the sound that it made. And what did it sound like? Well, it made an inhuman scream, so I don't know. That's a problem thing with these written reports. You don't get the you don't get the audio recording to go with it, so you don't know. I know. I know. I just gotta ask yeah. the question, well, man. Some 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 of their calls I can actually mimic, but some of them are like beyond the power of human vocal cords to do it, so I'm not trying. Here's another one. In March of 2009, a woman and her son reported sighting a large creature while driving in Yulin, Minnesota. The creature was described as being around seven to eight feet tall with a muscular build covered in shaggy two-toned brown hair. The witnesses observed the creature standing in the middle of the road. Again, how notice how this keeps coming up? And estimated to be around 200 feet away. They observed the creature for a few minutes and reported that it appeared to be heading toward the Wild Rice River. The incident occurred during a calm night. Additionally, the report mentioned that in the winter of 2007, tracks of a similar creature were seen in the same area about every two weeks. This report was written by BFRO investigator Chris S., who investigated and found the witness to be credible. So there you go with those. Do I have any more here? That might be it. Nope, there's another one. July 1989, a man and his kids were camping near Neo, Michigan. Michigan. There's a lot of sightings coming out of Michigan. Late at night, they heard an extremely loud roar and saw a creature that let out a loud scream before running away. The witness reported feeling paralyzed and unable to move, and his kids ran for their van and went to sleep. <laughs> Nothing like the boogeyman to make those kids dive under the covers and go to sleep. 
The witness noticed that the trees on the trail were twisted and braided together at the tops. The witness reported that the experience was unnerving and they never went back to that location again. The witness also reported another sighting near Cadillac in 1986 where he saw a creature that was around five and a half to six feet tall, black in color, with a peaceful expression and a more human-like face. The creature simply turned and walked away. The area around Mio is known to be a hotbed of Bigfoot sightings and not far from the Foley Swamp, uh, which is also famous for Bigfoot encounters. How much time do we got? I got another one. We've got about four minutes. Okay, we can easily get this one in. June 2006, a group of eight youths from the Suquamish tribe were doing beach cleanup at Jefferson Head in Washington's Kitsap County. At around 2 p.m., the girls started hearing what sounded like a woman or animal screaming and screeching. The sound made them uncomfortable, and some of the girls returned to the adults who were on the other end of the beach. (laughs) One of the girls, Carrie, spotted a creature that looked like nothing they had ever seen before. It walked out of the marsh and seemed to be startled by the girls as it tried to quickly duck behind a large piece of driftwood. The creature did not run away. It continued to watch the girls from a crouched position for about four minutes. The girls ran to the van and demanded to leave the beach. The creature was described as having light brown hair on its face and the tips almost dark brown, and it was about two blocks in front of the girls. The witnesses compared it to the character Bigfoot from the movie Harry and the Hendersons, but it looked like it was on crack. (laughs) Their words, the area has had ongoing activity for nearly 10 years and is believed to be visited by the Sasquatch annually. And... Oh, I like that. I think that. I think that's it. I think we have covered all of the stories. But again, big thanks goes out to Kenny White, Captain Peg, Pegleg, the fearless leader of Group Investigating Mystery Primates, or GIMP for short. You can find his group on Facebook and also on the actual no censorship ad-free social media platform, MeWe, where you can also find my group, World Bigfoot Central and Upper Midwest Bigfoot Central. And so there you go. I love it. I love it, my man. Thank you so much. Do me a favor. Tell everybody when they go to your YouTube channel or your or anywhere else what they're going to find on there. Well, what you find is some of my field research, which is seasonal because Northern Rockies, it's hard to get out there and do anything in the winter. But you also find tons of interviews with some of the top flight field researchers and Bigfoot, uh, you know, intelligentsia on the planet. People like Dr. Igor Burtsev, uh, Blaine Tyler, um, you know, just a, a plethora of people. Robin McRae's on there a lot. Um, who else? Robert Kreider. Um, Richard Doty, <laughs> all sorts of people show up on my channel. Dave Scott's been on there a few times. He actually hosted an entire episode of Conspiracy Corner without even knowing he was going to do it. And actually, Dave, that's the number one in my most recent top 10, by the way. That's still really? holding at number one most views out of my most recent top 10. So well done. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's another one. If you guys missed it, go back and, and check that out on my channel. It's two shows that I did here with Dave Cryptid Reports, the Tuesday and the Thursday one, put together into one show. 
And it's all about the ancient giant who ruled America and the great Smithsonian cover-up. And apparently it's pretty good because it's getting lots of views. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We love it. We love it. Appreciate you, Super Duke, for uh, doing what you're doing and everything that you do. You just make uh, what I do here uh, uh, very much a uh, an easy, easy part of our night with your great reports and bringing a little bit of this history back to us. Oh, thanks for uh, having me on here, Dave. You know, I, I, you have a different audience out there in the terrestrial radio land than what I can generally reach. And I like to get good, valid information out there to people so they don't get taken in by con men's and BS artists and hoaxers and all that kind of good, not good stuff. <laughs> so I appreciate the platform. Let's get, you know, the actual information out there. And that's one of the things I loved about, I love about Space It Out Radio and why I support it because Dave will listen to everybody's point of view and put it out there. And, you know, unless his BS detector goes off, then they probably don't get on the show or they don't get on again. Hey, that's what we do. I've never stood in your shoes. You've never stood in mine. I can't sit there and say that you're wrong. And on that note, we got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat room tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Spreaker, LinkedIn, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.